Finally, Bill Barr has done something. Trump supporters have been screaming, demanding the DOJ do something about all of this evidence of voter fraud that's been emerging, especially evidence like from the Voter Integrity Project, which shows, well, widespread voter fraud. I wouldn't say it definitively proves it, but it certainly raises a bunch of really interesting questions. Well, the good news for all of you who have been waiting for this, Bill Barr says there's no evidence of fraud that would have changed the outcome of the election. But wait, what does that really mean? No evidence of fraud that would have changed the outcome of the election. He basically said there's evidence of fraud. You see, over time, it started with the media saying there's no evidence of fraud, no evidence of widespread fraud, then unproven claims of fraud, and now unproven conspiracies, because over time, we're getting more and more evidence. It's actually coming from some fairly prominent people. I'm not saying that means Donald Trump lost because of fraud. In fact, if Bill Barr comes out and says he's reviewed this and doesn't see the evidence, maybe Bill Barr's just right. Or maybe Bill Barr is secretly working for the deep state. I don't know. But we'll read the story and we'll figure out what's going on. But we also have other news involving Bill Barr. He appointed uh, Durham to be special counsel, meaning he's not going anywhere. We've got a bunch of other stories we're going to talk about pertaining to, uh, you know, we got Project Veritas, putting out the CNN audio. It's really interesting. we got the story about Elliot Page and the, the public uh, transition announcing that uh, he is now trans. We'll talk about that stuff, too. And, uh, of course, we got, you know, Ian Crossland. Oh, hello, chilling. everyone. Hi, There's thank Ian. you, Tim. Yes. Of course, Lydia is producing. I am over here in the corner. And uh, joining uh, joining us today is uh, Ben Dominich. Yes. Good to be with you. I'm happy yeah. to be here. It's, so uh, real quick, who are you? Uh, I'm the publisher of The Federalist, uh, and uh, I write uh, the, a daily newsletter called The Transom, which uh, people can find, uh, obviously, at thefederalist.com and thetransom.com. And I uh, host primarily our, our podcast, The Federalist Radio Hour, though I've been a little bit off lately because we had our first kid. Yes. So. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. So. Well, then, how about we talk about some news? If you haven't already, smash the subscribe button, the like button, the notification bell. We are live Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. And we're also on all podcast platforms. So subscribe if you want to catch the show later. But uh, the first story, check us out from the AP. Disputing Trump. Barr says no widespread election fraud. But I'm not going to I'm not going to waste words with their opinion. I'll give you his act quote. Barr told the AP that U.S. attorneys and FBI agents have been working to follow up specific complaints and information they've received. But, quote, to date, we have not seen fraud on a scale that could have affected a different outcome in the election. The comments, which drew immediate criticism from Trump attorneys, were especially notable coming from Barr, who has been one of the president's most ardent allies. Before the election, he had repeatedly raised the notion that mail-in voting could be especially vulnerable to fraud during the coronavirus pandemic as Americans feared going to polls and instead chose to vote by mail. More to Trump's liking, Barr revealed in an AP interview that in October he had appointed U.S. Attorney John Durham as a special counsel, giving the prosecutor the authority to continue to investigate the origins of the Trump-Russia probe after Biden takes over, and making it difficult to fire him. Biden hasn't said what he might do with the investigation, but, tran- but his transition team didn't comment on Tuesday. So let's let's just start talking about what's going on with you know Bill Barr's statements I don't know if you've been following a lot of the voter fraud stuff, Ben. I have. Absolutely. Well, first, let me then just uh, what are your thoughts on the whole thing? Well, I think that the big problem here is that uh, we have a system that really is not designed to be able to quickly prove voter fraud on the scale that may have happened in this case. Uh, The DOJ is really built to 
make cases, to investigate situations, to bring a case eventually to court, that can take years. And I think that the real problem is that we're discovering that in a situation like this one where they rushed all of these changes, many of which I think may turn out in the uh, in eventually to be considered unconstitutional on the state level, as uh, your guest Sean Parnell was bringing up oh, yeah. uh, the other day. He's, he's the plaintiff suing for Yes, that. exactly, yeah. um, which I think is a very serious question. The, the real problem is, what if the fraud is hiding in plain sight? And I know that the, during the Russia hoax, you would always hear that from, you know, Adam Schiff and people like that. Oh, you know, the collusion's higher. It's hiding in plain sight. You know, it's right there. It's right in front of you. What if instead the actual fraud is something as basic as Mark Zuckerberg spending hundreds of millions of dollars to have voter boxes put all over the United States in ways that may turn out to be targeted to specific areas? In, you know, things that could turn out to be in-kind contributions to Democrats as opposed right. to non-profit. Or uh, Wisconsin, they were doing democracy in the park events. Yes. Bringing people out, telling them to vote, telling them who to vote for, things like that. And it's it's a situation where, I mean, you know, our own reporter, uh, John Davidson, who, uh, you know, does a lot of this stuff on the ground for us, has been detailing the situations in uh, Native American communities where you literally had illegal raffles and things like that going on to incentivize people to vote, wow. which is stuff that, you know, it's just basic law. Like you can't pay someone to vote or not vote. You know, it's and and to me, all of that adds up to a situation where there really is rampant, you know, fraud, weirdness, lots of questions. But I don't think we have the capacity in the DOJ to turn something around that quickly in a way that would satisfy Americans. And that to me is, is a, that's a big unanswered question. Here. That's a, I completely agree. And I've, I mentioned this. One of the biggest problems we have is what we get two weeks to yeah. do this full scale <laughs> nationwide investigation of 150 million votes. That's impossible. Yeah. But we have more and more evidence stacking up. Now, to, to clarify what Barr has said. They're saying he's saying no evidence of widespread fraud. In fact, I've titled this stream no evidence of widespread fraud. What he said was to date, we have not seen fraud on a scale that could have affected a different outcome in the election. We can break that down. It could mean several things. He could be saying as of right now, we have seen fraud. We haven't seen enough. Does it mean he's done investigating? No, it doesn't. But of course, the headline from every mainstream outlet is going to be no evidence of widespread fraud. I, de I default in that direction as well, mm -hmm. but it's really hard to like cram a title in, you know, on YouTube. So I have to do, I do what I can. I'm basing it off the article. It could theoretically mean we've seen fraud. We haven't seen enough yet. Mm -hmm. He did say to date, right? Well, I think I'm thinking about James Clapper. I just keep thinking about James Clapper testifying to Congress that lying. they did not. Yeah. We did not <laughs> wittingly spy on the American people mm -hmm. when they did wittingly spy and under oath perjury to Congress. And no, no repercussions. No, none. Oh. So it, it makes me think they're all capable of lying. Well, of course they are. I mean, John Brennan is someone who uh, didn't just spy on the American people. He spied on Congress. But just for people who don't know, full of it. I don't know. Let's, Bill Barr is the attorney general. Yeah. And then uh, Clapper was he was a former CIA, former and, head, head NSA, of NSA, NSA. And, and, uh, and Brennan is CIA. Yes. OK, there yeah. we go. Just want to make sure. But continue. But so the thing that I think we need to keep in mind here is. Effectively, what Barr is saying is he can't answer that question. He doesn't actually have the capability right. to find that in such a short amount of time. At the same time, I think that he is really engaged here in a bit of setting expectations, which is we all know that this mail-in balloting thing was something that a lot of folks, mostly on the left, have been pushing for for a long time. It's, it's not going away. They're going to keep it in the, in the midterms. They're going to try to keep it for the next presidential. And to me, at a certain point, the attitude of people who 
want to see the Trump agenda furthered, who supported him this time around, who are furious at this result, has to be, we can't let this happen again. Because otherwise it will. And it's in the incentives of a lot of these politicians to make sure that it does so that they don't have some reversal of fortune in the midterms as they all expect they will. So this is the most important thing coming out of all of this. If maybe Trump doesn't win, right? I know the Trump supporters are saying we're going to win. We got to fight. Look, I've, I've been saying over and over again that in my opinion, it was always extremely likely once they called it for Biden, it's going to be Biden. But Trump should keep fighting no matter what, because we have seen historic anomalies, This, like the Georgia, where they found all these votes. And there's a possibility Trump could figure out a legal path to victory through legal challenges and through the Electoral College. But outside of all of that, let's say the worst case scenario for the Trump supporters is that it's done. Trump loses. Joe Biden's president. This fight that Trump has led will push us towards more secure voting at the very least. Mm. And it could also mean no mail-in voting. The fight coming from people like Mike Kelly, I think Mike Kelly's the name, and Sean Parnell could result in more secure elections, no universal mail-in voting. And I hear from all these leftists and Democrats saying, but universal mail-in voting is so easy and so popular, even Republicans love it. And I'm like, yes, it is easy. I completely agree. And easy doesn't mean secure. In fact, the more you remove security, the easier things get. But then the more likely you're going to see fraud or impropriety. And we want secure elections. We want to be able to audit them properly. We want observers. I think... At the very end of this, the worst case scenario is we're, we're going to have grounds based on the things they find or have already found to say no to a lot of this no excuse mail-in voting and demand more secure elections and things like voter ID, for instance. I, I think that that is uh, that's a hopeful uh, image. And I hope that that uh, is something that comes forward because I'm concerned about the trust level that's going to exist among mm-hmm. the American people. We've seen the total degradation of faith in every institution of American life. Basically, people trust the military and small business, and that's it, if you look at all the polls. And so at the end of the day, uh, this is going to be one more aspect that people have a lack of trust for, given the closeness of proximity of the Electoral College and the fact that we're probably going to see something like this play out again in two years or four years and without major changes. You know what's really crazy about the whole thing, though, is that if so, so the Pennsylvania state legislature said we don't have enough time to pass a joint resolution calling the election in dispute. They could have. That's freaky to me that we could have a whole federal election. Let's look at it this way. Let's say 2024. I can't imagine Joe Biden running for reelection. Mm-hmm. I just I don't see it. So maybe it's, you know, Kamala Harris now. She's going to run for president, you know, going from vice president to president or whatever. I'm just saying hypothetically. She's running against, I don't know, who do you, who do you think would run in 2024 for the Republican? A lot of people will, but let's, let's just say for the argument, just because he's known and, and a known commodity. Kanye Ted, West. Ted Cruz. <laughs> okay. Let's just say Ted Cruz because he came in second effectively last time. All right, all right. So we got Ted yeah. Cruz, Kamala Harris, comes down to the Electoral College, Ted Cruz is up, he's projected to win, and then a swing state with a Democratic legislature says, we're going to appoint our electors, we're going to dispute it. Yeah. Pulling his, you know, his votes away or something like that. That that could happen now, and that to me is kind of nuts. That Trump needed three states; he needs three states. It can still happen to effectively challenge the uh, the result of the election. It it might actually happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just had this hearing in what was it, Michigan today, where it was, th- this is the first time I think of these hearings they've done. It was actually in a state house. It was actually in, a, in, in an official building. They were doing these hotels before, right? So they had the first ev- uh, evidentiary hearing. With the Republican state legislature in uh, uh, Pennsylvania, I think it was, right? In Gettysburg, right? And when I questioned why they're doing it in a hotel, a a ton of people were saying, oh, it's Gettysburg. It's the second, you know, Gettysburg address or whatever. And I'm just like, I don't know. I kind of feel like they're just, (laughs) you know, placating people. You know, like, oh, yeah, we're going to do a hearing. It's going to be at a hotel. 
when they did it in Arizona to Hyatt, I said, that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's no, there's no the Hyatt speech. There's no, you know, the Phoenix address or whatever. But now they're in, in Michigan, they actually had a legit hearing. And there was some, I mean, it, it's, it, the stories that are coming out of this stuff are insane. Yeah. People saying they're being harassed, chased out. They're not allowed to observe at all in all these places. Weird stories about trucks pulling up in the middle of the night, you know, pulling out boxes of ballots and things like that, claiming we're not counting. But then they add vote counts later on. Clearly something weird's going on. And that's that's not even the the half of it. And and what I really want to say to, to everybody who, you know, has been arguing with their friends about, you know, fraud in this election where, where people might be citing CNN to them saying, oh, there is no fraud. There's fraud in every American election. It yeah. always happens. And it's typically on a low level and very pedestrian in nature it's literally a box that appears or disappears you know it's something that it doesn't take a convoluted machine to make it work i mean the machine that ran in new orleans all the way up until katrina was totally like that it was organic everyone knew what they had to do it didn't require any kind of coordination or meetings katrina smashes that whole population it spreads out and suddenly republicans start winning elections and that's something that I think, you know, speaks to the organic built into the society nature of these things of a place like Philly. Um, and the, again, I still think this is a situation where this was effectively lost for Donald Trump when Republican lawyers didn't get their act together ahead of time months ago and start fighting and disputing these things more effectively within these different systems. They were getting shut down by the courts, but they needed to put more effort into it because right. I think that the, the moment that those rules were locked in, they were facing a circumstance where if he lost the state, it would be almost impossible to prove enough. Fraud. Right. You, you know what I've been saying? I said, Trump got oceans 11 that yeah. the, the real heist happened months ago in October uh, of 2019 in, in Pennsylvania, the Republicans passed act 77 which other Republicans are now suing, calling it unconstitutional. Why did they pass no excuse mail-in voting before COVID happened? Mm-hmm. They knew mail-in voting was always their path to essentially cheating the election. And, and the reason I say cheating is that changing the rules, the 11th hour to benefit one side because you know it's what you need is it's cheating. Yeah. So it, 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 they, they say COVID is the excuse. When I, when, I, when I talk about it, people say, well, people were scared of COVID. They needed an option. No, 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 because they were already passing these bills you know, in other places. And then when you talk about the, the, the anomalies, for instance, they say, and I'm, I'm kind of sidetracking here. They say the anomalies are easy, easily explained because the Republic, you know, the Republicans stopped them from counting ballots until election night, which was not true for some states. Mm-hmm. There's just those weird anomalous spikes. But anyway, going back to the oceans, getting oceans 11, they pass all of these rule changes where I had been making video after video saying, this is their, how they're going to how they're going to how they're going to cheat. Mm-hmm. Republicans are going to show up on on election day like they normally do, and they're going to follow the rules. And Democrats have every opportunity now to hold democracy in the park events, to do you know what raffles you were mentioning illegal raffles. There's accusations of of ballot harvesting now. We've got in Minnesota and in what was the other one Texas where, where the Veritas one uncovered. Uh, yeah, I believe uh, I haven't been able to follow. Veritas has been putting out so many things that I'm yeah. a little behind my Veritas consumption. I have to admit, but congrats to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that we we have you know these videos showing people are doing ballot, ballot harvesting. We had on Jeremy from the quartering, and he said that at his house, like Democrats showed up and were like, "Have you voted? Do you have your absentee ballots?" Mm-hmm. And they received them, but he never requested one. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of weird things there. But there's I think I think one of the simple things is maybe this is fraud. Maybe they were requesting ballots for people and then showing up and telling them to vote, or maybe they gave themselves a month plus to go to go around telling people. Did you vote yet? Did you vote? Mm-hmm. Why don't you vote? Did you vote? 
We saw in one of the videos from Veritas, a woman saying she was like, hey, come out and have free drinks with me. Did you vote? Mm-hmm. And so they're like, OK, fine. They fill it out. There you go. Here, take my vote. Now give me the beer. Yeah. That kind of ballot harvesting. That was the trick, because guess what? That's a real vote. Yes. Now, there is freaky stuff like uh, Matt Brainerd for the Voter Integrity Project says, here's 20 plus thousand people who changed their addresses and then voted twice. Mm-hmm. That's like, OK, we kind of got evidence of widespread fraud going on. <laughs> maybe maybe it wasn't enough to change the results or maybe, you know, Bill Barr looked at it and then said, uh, this is not legit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I think that that's impossible to know. And I think we'll be pouring over this for a long time. But I do think that we're now in territory where one side definitely thinks that they got jobbed. And the other side definitely thinks that they won, but they have this sour taste in their mouth because of how unwilling the other side is to accept it and because of the performance of Republicans generally. Uh, So that sets up a a very strife-filled political scenario where Joe Biden is absolutely not going to unify anybody. No, it's it's, (laughs) it's, going to be – Joe Biden is the worst possible thing to have happened to this country, especially right now. But I'll I'll tell you, first and foremost, I'm sorry if, if I can't believe Joe Biden won fair and square. You know why? Trump wins, uh, the Republicans win down ballot. They reclaim met, uh, many House seats. They lost none. They gained many. They didn't take the majority. They defended the Senate. They won every state, uh, state House ele- or state uh, race. So it looked like Trump was on the ticket. Then Joe Biden, who doesn't, didn't campaign. I mean, he literally campaigned, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. come on. He's in the basement at the time. He's calling lids every day. He was not having big events or any rallies somehow beat Barack Obama's 2008 ground shattering, you know, uh, 69 million votes. Joe Biden didn't campaign and beat Trump. The argument I hear is people hate Trump that much that they voted against him. I don't I don't think so. And Biden I also I, I mean, they also outspent him uh, and out manipulated uh, him in ways that we can't leave out of this. The in-kind donation from big tech. Oh, is, absolutely. Is absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know how you could estimate it. Um, the uh, amount of money that they spent, obviously, they, they spent almost twice as much money just from the campaign organizations, et cetera. Yeah. And so I think this is a situation where uh, money did talk this time around and also the the, the warping influence that, that we've had on narrative from an entire corporate Democrat media establishment designed to take down Trump focused on, you know, telling the entire country that he's this racist, horrible person who has to be destroyed for the sake of humanity for year upon year upon year. And they end up with a situation where, you know, he wins more votes than Barack Obama actually did and, and, and you know, wins, uh, you know, more votes than, any, you know, any Republican. And it's it's this. Situation. I know. I mean, it's kind of amazing. I know too many Democrats who switched parties, it, it, you know, coming out of Chicago. Hmm. There are people I've known my whole life who have always been Democrat kind of passively. Now, hardcore Trump supporters. And so I see things like that. that that's obviously anecdotal. Doesn't mean, you know, that's, that's my personal friend and family bubble. But I, I, I look at uh, uh, the New York Times reporting. I look at Moody's analytics. All of these things in, in indicating a Trump victory. Nothing indicating a Trump defeat. Albeit when COVID hit, it shifted a lot of the economic forecasts. But it's still crazy to see all the polls were wrong off by like 7%, 4 to 7%. Well, no, no. I, I want to stop you there because I think we keep saying the polls were wrong. The some, pollsters lied. Some polls were wrong. <laughs> some polls were propaganda. Right, right, Okay, right, we right. have to keep in mind, like, yep. media polls are frequently, they are propaganda or yes. they are intended to be the basis for a story, a narrative. And and you can't think about them the same. The reason that the actual, like, poll people are 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 upset or that are, are concerned about the future of their industry is that the 
the behind the scenes polls were also wrong. Right. Like the, the ones that are given to corporate and lobbying <laughs> clients, et cetera, about, I mean, I had all of these people coming to me saying, there is no chance Susan Collins is going to win. You got to stop saying that. You know, like, <laughs> I, like I, I just kept saying, you know what? I just, I think she knows how to win Maine. And yeah. then, and, and they're saying, you know, look, we have, we got our internals. You know, she's not going to be on this committee anymore. We're talking to the, you know, to the other side, that kind of thing. And then of course she wins easily. So it is, it is a fact that polls are propaganda. And I know immediately there's going to be mainstream journalists. There's going to be leftists being like, ah, conspiracy theories. No, 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 hold on. There, there are many polls that are legit. There are many polls that are overt propaganda and they function as such. Ian, let me ask you a question. Okay. Would you be in favor of taking some tax money and invest and using that to invest in new technologies that could improve American energy independence? Wow, that's a vague question, Tim. <laughs> Would, I thought that was very specific. <laughs> Would you be in favor of allocating some of the how, U.S.? How much is some, first off? It's just your opinion. Some. It could be anything. I'm just asking you if you, if you think... I'm not going to drag you here. Yeah, I would. It sounds great, doesn't it? <laughs> sounds awesome. Okay, let me mark you down for Favors Green New Deal. Okay. Uh, now let me ask you a question. Would you be in favor of a policy that dramatically overhauls the entire medical industry and uh, bans private insurance? Uh, no. Oh, opposes Green New Deal. Yeah. You see, you can ask questions. And what they'll do then is they'll say, they'll, they'll show a thing saying support. It'll say Green New Deal, support, oppose. And they won't tell you what they're asking. Those are the propaganda polls. There are polls that will show you the methodology. They'll show you the questions they ask. And that's what you have to do when you go in and try and figure out what they're really talking about. Well, the biggest thing that has been plaguing the polling industry, and I don't want to get so off tangent on Barb, but um, so uh, someone who you should actually have on the program, uh, Emily Eakins, who's the head of, of polling uh, at uh, the Cato Institute uh, and pre previously at uh, the Reason Foundation, has done phenomenal research over the past several years about the difficulty uh, she was the one who was the source of that poll that so many people cite uh, about the unwillingness of people to share their true views right? Um, and kind of seeking out the shy Trump voter or the shy conservative voter in lots of different respects. And it's very difficult to do it. You almost have to uh, one of the polls, not uh, from something she commissioned, but one that I saw from this cycle uh, behind the scenes had this hilarious question in it. I think I can share it now that, uh, you know, it's well in the past, but it was. Uh, do you know someone who you believe supports President Trump, but would be unwilling to say that publicly for fear of the reaction? Okay. <laughs> and so they have this percentage that's like, this is how many, yeah. and it's a huge number, you know, say, and then the follow-up question to those who said yes is, does that previous question describe you? <laughs> and a lot of them say yes. Like it's right. a huge portion of them say well, it's because they've been prepped for it. Right. Otherwise, it's like some strange person calls me and they ask me whether I support this guy everybody says is racist. I'm not going to say yes. But, but also because the way the question is framed, it could have repercussions on them. Yes. So it's basically it sounds like they're coming at you as someone who's sympathetic mm -hmm. to, to that, you know, having an impact on you. But yeah, you know what I, what I was saying? I, I, I love it. They 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 these they put out this uh, clip of me saying 49 state landslide over and over again because I was for one saying here's the hypotheticals like for instance there's a lot of videos where I'd say something like look if Trump pardoned all nonviolent drug offenders and 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 issued an executive order legalizing pot at the federal level 49 state landslide and so I'm not literally predicting this I'm saying if Trump does something crazy this is what happens which is the one state he would lose in that scenario what's the one state yeah he would lose in that scenario I don't that, that 49 <laughs> Oregon yeah the most no. conservative <laughs> state yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't need him anyway yeah right <laughs> but the, the you know the point to it was basically yeah. there's hypotheticals I kind of lost my train of thought on Washington, why I was yeah, I don't know. why I was bringing that up but you know back to uh, polls I yeah. guess was the general but the I don't want to you know, stay too long on polls, but because I know you, there's so many other news things to talk about. 
But the one thing that I do want people to keep in mind is it, they were broken last time around. Oh, the, the secret vast, Trump voter. I the vast that. majority did not fix it. And the, and the handful of places that got it right last time around and worked to fix it, okay, including Trafalgar and other places like that, just got bashed over and over by both pollsters and like the poll bros, the people who just analyze polls for a living, who write for a lot of these uh, media sites. And at the end of the day, they ended up being a ton more accurate, even as they were being criticized over and over again. Um, and one of the big aspects of this that I think kept getting cited by these poll bros was, well... You're not looking at the granular, you know, precinct level data the way that we are. Like we have, we have the true cross, you know, here, you know, and you don't really know what it's, what is in it. Um, and that was where they had some of the biggest misses. It's why they got so many of these house races wrong. The, the Cook report, for instance, uh, not to single them out because so many people were wrong, but Dave Wasserman there literally had a tweet up where he said, I wish that I could erase everything that I've written in 2020 about the outcome in the house and revert oh, yeah. to what I said in December, 2019 or whatever, when I said Republicans would pick up five. So I, I, I now remember my train of thought. It was that the one thing I predicted pretty much spot on as many did was the polls would be wrong. And one of the reason I gave is you have all these people who lie about you all the time. They accuse you of being a bigot and a racist and all of these things. The media is constantly full of falsehoods. And then when do you get a phone call, you know, hi, I'm with, you know, ABC Washington Post poll. Do you support Donald Trump? No, uh, no, not no me. I, 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 mine all the way. I never let any of them over for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, exactly. oh, guess but, I, I guess I can't have any of them over right, anyway. Exactly. <laughs> you, you, you see how the media treated that guy. You know, like, remember, remember that guy who posted the, the video of Nancy Pelosi slowed down? And they were like, they show oh. his, pic, his picture, his name, where he works. You had the, the guy who made the meme of Trump body slamming yes. the CNN guy. And, CNN, and they're like, we will publish his name if he ever does this again. So when the media calls you and says, hi, friend, do you support Donald <laughs> Trump? We're the media. You can trust us. Did, and, and keep in mind, did, did you see the uh, any of the uh, most recent tech hearing? The Holly, uh, Zuckerberg I, a little bit. It's just, it's so, just circled. So, yeah. So <laughs> the most interesting, there were two interesting things from that interaction. One was Zuckerberg saying that he didn't know whether they tracked every time an employee had looked at, uh, someone's Facebook messages secretly. What? He said that. And secondly, wow. secondly, the admission that, um, they actually have a program that Zuckerberg sort of initially said he, didn't recognize the name, but then it became clear that he kind of knew what Holly was talking about, that they have an own, their own internal program that is designed to share information across big tech about the activities Whoa. of people on other platforms in order to inform their way that Facebook treats them. In other words, that like tracking someone's YouTube comments right. mm -hmm. and then using them. In other words, you think you think you're working separately and that you're communicating separately. But if everything is just going into a dump of this person needs to be downgraded Whoa. silence that i mean that's wow and on the 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 uber shadow profile that yeah. reminds me of what happened to sargon where he said some naughty word on yeah some yeah platform you, you, and they you're, took him off. you're familiar with sargon i'm correct? familiar with this but yes what, what what was uh remind me he did he say banned from patreon yeah. yes so for those that are familiar patreon is like a you know pe people can sign up to give you a certain amount of money and then you release content over a certain period of time Sargon, uh, aka Carl Benjamin, he's a, a YouTuber. He has a, he has a podcast, uh, new one called The Lotus Eaters. Shout out, shout out him out before. Um, he did a, a live stream with a very very tiny live stream, only a few thousand people, and he called them white. I think he called them like uh, something like white n word or whatever. And he was making a point that the things you do to describe other people is how you actually are. So you're describing yourself. It was an obscure 
two-hour stream right in the middle where he said this, and Patreon found it. Apparently, someone submitted it to Patreon and said, look at this, and they went, okay, nuked his, nuked his yeah. account. All of his income, well, not all of his, but his income from Patreon just gone. So they said, yes, we take off, you know, offline behavior into account, how you act on other platforms, which was really... I think people don't understand that that's where we're headed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. Like, that is absolutely where we are headed, and it's not going to be... People always try to scare you about some situation where government does these things. It's not that. It's not going to be that. It's, it's corporate America. It's the people who... <laughs> you sound like a liberal leftist. Well, well it seems... How they used to sound. Well, how they used to sound. Exactly. Yeah. Look, this is, this is a very real thing that is a transition that is happening and that the, I would say more the Kamala Harris wing of the Democratic Party wants, which is to say, we're going to use corporate America to weaponize or to uh, administrate our woke pro- program even as we, you know, we put it out through taxpayer funds in, in the public schools, et cetera. But corporate America doesn't want to fight this stuff. They're happy as long as they make money. Right. right. And so they're happy with, you know, a, an America last foreign policy where, where China is just a, this wonderful trading partner and taking away all of these American jobs and making all sorts of cheap crap that we can sell to people. Um, here in America and, uh, and, you know, everybody should be happy. All the big tech companies, they've been profiting so much from this past year. They're only going to continue. And meanwhile, small business America gets absolutely crushed. CNBC reporting this week that their, uh, that their optimism has only gone down since Biden was, uh, was elected. And that I think is going to continue to be the dynamic here. And you have these major corporations that are come, that are going to come and effectively crush you through a, a thousand sort of little, things that you can't use anymore. You can't be on this platform. You can't do. And then, and then it becomes, you can't be a part of our, you know, hotel rewards program. You know, you can't fly on our airline. Oh yeah. Something like that. I mean, you look, you you look at electricity. No, you look at uh, Enrique Tario. They have so much power to cut you off. Yeah. Completely. Your water is cut off. I mean, they can do Garcetti. Yeah. Garcetti. And LA said he was going to cut your water off if you had people over. We have Somehow first... they didn't do that when Hunter Biden went to that house uh-huh, and partied with so those sure. ladies. <laughs> we, have, we have a First Amendment right to peaceably assemble. The Constitution doesn't say for what. If I want to peaceably assemble to discuss episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants, so be it. So if I have a party and I'm in L.A., the Constitution guarantees me that right. He says I'm going to shut your water off. That is a human rights violation. That I mean, it literally I, is. I mean, I can't even imagine what that would do to you know someone who had health needs who... You know, Turning off their power yeah. and their diabetic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's no more crazy. refrigerator, no more insulin. Yeah. Oxygen. This is this is how 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 absolutely insane things are getting. What people don't realize about this kind of like dystopian nightmare. You've got all of these people that are effectively in the matrix going along with all of this, mm-hmm. and that's that's freaky. So you think we're going what? social credit score totally? In, in, in wait, wait, no, 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 hold with on, hold your on. Water and your electricity. No, no, no. Joe Biden as part of his pact with Bernie Sanders, has a plan for a public s- a credit scoring agency based off of your privilege criteria. Some- oh, something like that. What does that mean? It means that if you're a straight white male, you get a negative score. Are you and kidding if- me? No, I'm not kidding you. So this was written about, there's a, an organization that works with, um, like this, I forgot what it's called. It's a credit, you know, like a, they, they write about, they write reports on different credit agencies and it's like an internal a corporate thing. I did a segment on this. They said, we don't know how Biden would, would even implement this because it's a violation of the law. It's a violation of civil rights law to create a public scoring agency that gives you credit based on your like, you know, privilege criteria or something like that. So this but kind they've, of, they've, they've talked about of, it. This kind of reminds me of, but well, yeah, hold on. Yeah, so, when you when you when you see something like that, and then you look at what they tried in California with with Prop 16 repeal what was it? yeah prop, repeal Prop 209, which was their civil rights provision in the Constitution, it failed. It starts in California, 
it comes to the rest of the country. If the critical race theorists have their way, they will absolutely repeal the Civil Rights Act of 1964. So they want to put like a Star of David on my chest because I'm a white guy? Well, no, 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 no. It's a little piece of flair. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Give me a little red insignia on my chest. No, you're going you're right? go to you're going? Gonna go to a bank and you're going to say, I'd like to buy a house. And they're going to say, well, your public credit score is 470 <sighs> because to, you're a straight white we male. We reserve most of our loans for ethnic minorities. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You're not welcome. Look, I mean, Ibram X. Kendi, you know, the whole passage in his book is about how you know, capitalism is racism and racism is capitalism. Yep. And those things are like totally united together. And so to me, th- this is a, this is a situation where this new administration wants to buy off the, the woke prog- progressives with these various aspects of policy, even as they refuse to do anything that people who actually cl- care about class divides in America and about uh, the economy that's moved, you know, really up into the last couple of years in a really negative direction in this sense, not addressing any of those things, just pretending that it doesn't exist and trying to satisfy it with diversity quotas and the like. Let's uh, let's let's how about we go for the dangerous conversation, the one that's going to get us banned. Let's do it. That's what I'm Try and be do. as careful as possible. Drugs. Juno yeah. star Elliot Page announces he is transgender. So this is something that uh, came out er- earlier. Look, I'm I'm fairly libertarian. So if somebody, you know, is trans or whatever, and they want to be called whatever. I, I've, I have absolutely no problem and more power to them. They can live their life, be happy and do all, do all that stuff. But uh, when you're talking about, you know, the Democrats and, and take, going after this woke, you know, giving them the woke things they want, talking about social media censorship and stuff like this, we're in a, we're in dangerous territory talking about these issues. I'll just, I'll come out right, come right out and say it. There was a website um, dedicated to stories about detransitioning from people who came out as trans, got, you know, uh, it's, 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 it, look, it's all part of the woke you know, critical gender theory stuff. And there are people who are telling their story saying they were pressured into it, pressured into life-altering surgeries or, or taking medications. And all of these posts get banned from Reddit. These forums where people are talking about it are banned from Reddit. Conversations like the one we're having now, like I said, it's dangerous because they could ban me for it. And that's crazy because if the internet only allows, if these big tech companies only allow conversation that's, it's good, it's good, it's always good no matter what, then all anyone will ever hear is how good it is and they won't hear that, look, in life, sometimes things aren't good. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying what, you know, Elliot Page is doing is not is good or bad. I'm just saying you need to have a balanced and healthy view analyzing all of these, you know, different subjects and what people are saying in one way or another. But when we start to have the, the mass censorship uh, uh, on social media, conversations that can't happen, can't talk about COVID in a certain way, they'll ban you in two seconds. Can't talk about masks, can't report on studies about masks, they'll ban you. Then what ends up happening is you develop a society that, has a skewed and warped view on many different subjects. Mm-hmm. So now we, we're, we're ending up with, and I'm not trying to direct any, you know, uh, ire or anything towards Elliot Page. For, yeah. those, aren't, for those aren't familiar, I, it's, it, I might get banned for this because it's called dead naming, but Elliot Page, pre- oh, formerly yeah. Ellen Page. Yeah. No joke. It's, 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 it's like that, that difficult sure. to talk about this stuff without, cause YouTube will come down and they'll, and they'll nuke you. Immediately. I, so I, uh, had a personal uh, interaction, actually multiple personal interactions with, um, with Mr. Page uh, uh, on uh, several occasions uh, because uh, we were for a while neighbors. Uh, really? Lived in, yeah. Lived uh, very close to each other. Um, and uh, at times, in fact, uh, I think twice uh, I conversed with and bought drinks for uh, Mr. Page without even knowing it. So I, oh, wow. I think that now I should be 
at least earn allyship for that because for I had sure. no idea how progressive I was being in the moment. But in retrospect, I was oh, being you very, very, very you friendly, know, yeah. reaching out. We actually talked about Mike Pence uh, really? at the time. Yes. Interesting. Uh, but uh, wonderful, wonderful actor. And uh, I'm sure that, you know, there are a lot of trans roles now that, you know, people say trans people should be the only people who are allowed to play them. Yes. Obviously, that's something that Scarlett Johansson ran into a couple of right. years ago. Had to, and, had to drop a role and cancel the entire movie. Yeah. So definitely going to be, I think, uh, some productive opportunities for uh, Mr. Page. I think Elliot is an amazing human, um, regardless of sex or gender or whatever. And I think that it's important that we can talk about sex and gender and like he and she and him and them and they and all that crap. Like it, you know, like normal like we have to have, talk about that. Yeah, you, you have to have a, you have to be able to have conversations about this stuff. Yeah. Well, but that's impossible in a situation where government comes in or corporate America comes in and basically says you you have to be walking on eggshells because you use you might use the wrong pronoun. Yep. Or, and especially when you have this fiction, this idea that the internet has embraced that suddenly as soon as someone makes that change in their life, there's a refusal of any kind of admission that this change happened. And to me, it's, it's not like, I don't know. I, I just think that this is a situation where you, you have to be able to talk about it openly yeah. without fear of repercussions as you see in places like Canada. Well, so there, there's uh, a, a big part of the story, which, um, we're, what we, I think we can get, yes, we have is that in the UK, there's a ruling that affect that essentially says under 16s can't get puberty blockers. So you need, you need to have these conversations because it's not like, I, I think leftists don't realize this. Maybe because they're too young. But think about pot legalization, which is happening across the country. The only reason it's happening is, be is because people were smoking it illegally and they knew they liked it. And the conversation started happening around legalizing it, which means a bunch of criminals were getting together, committing crimes and decided, hey, it shouldn't be a crime anymore. And then a bunch of states were like, that's actually a good point. We mm -hmm. shouldn't be. If everybody said you can't do it, you'll go to jail, you'll be banned, your life will be ruined. We would never have it. So that means you have to have calm, rational, reasonable, converse, reasonable conversations. But I'll bring up a couple points that I think are a, a serious problem for us in society based on the things we're seeing with Elliot Page. And again, not directing any derision at Elliot specifically. But Wikipedia, for instance, is, is, is widely used, one of the most popular sites in the world, has very serious problems. Notably, you can't use Twitter or social media of an individual as a source. Yet in every circumstance where an individual comes out as trans, the moment they tweet, the Wikipedia editors all change everything as though that's a legitimate source. What if you were hacked and someone tweeted something and they change your Wikipedia because of this? It also creates a very strange circumstance. Uh, somebody tweeted something where it said, uh, in re reference to Elliot Page, in 2008, he was named the 93rd sexiest woman alive. So it, it, it's, and I'm not saying, again, give, you know, I'm trying to be careful. I'm not trying to be mean or disrespectful. It creates very confusing circumstances that people outside of the woke bubbles will have no idea what's going but, on or what this means. So when you talk about... Well, well real quick, what, the, the reason I bring that up is that if you go to somebody who's maybe like, you know, not super active on the internet, which is most people, and you, you read them that line, they would assume it was a gag. They would be like, oh, like Borat or something, right? Like if Borat won an award for being a sexy woman, they wouldn't realize that, you know, Elliot was previously Ellen, that there's, a, you know, there's an issue here. These things haven't been worked through. Our society hasn't had it. I'll put it, I'll put it this way. These things have, have seemingly just blinked into existence yeah. to the average person. Yeah. We don't know what this means. We don't know how to interact, but they're banning us. They're coming for our jobs. They're threatening our careers because of it. I would think like if you talked about the past of someone that transitioned, that you would use the old 
pronoun if you're talking about that time when they used to be the old pronouns. People so can when, change their names all the time, and it, yeah. d- it doesn't confuse people. Oh, I guess that's, I, it's kind of like changing your name. But, but I just think that people ha- living in this fictional world just makes for all the demands, I think, that it places on people who are not very online. And right. uh, I mean, you know, imagine someone who tomorrow, you know, picks up Juno and says some compliment uh, about Paige's performance and then gets accused of, you know, dead naming right. and, and, you know, uh, not right. respecting, et cetera. But I mean, this, this, this will happen. Yeah. So someone who is not very online might tweet, just watch Juno, Ellen Page. She was fantastic. And then they're going to get attacked. Yeah. They're going to get, they're going to get banned. They're going to get, uh, suspended on Twitter. Uh, you, I, I remember, uh, Zuby. Remember Zuby? Mm-hmm. First of all, Zuby identifying as a woman and then broke the deadlift record to make a point, but then tweeted at someone in, in a, on Twitter, okay, dude, mm-hmm. got suspended. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and because, but it was like an informal colloquial, okay, dude. <clears throat> Look, they're coming for Gina Carano from The Mandalorian oh, right. because yeah. of putting a uh, beep, bop, boop, or whatever in her. She wouldn't put pronouns in, in there. Beep, bop, boop. Yeah. In her, in her uh, Twitter bio <laughs> instead of the, the pronouns. Well, they, were, they were forcing her to put pronouns in? No, she was she was getting yelled at for yeah. not doing it. That's, after that's like some C16 Canadian Jordan Peterson speaking. Right. Forced, Jord- compelled speech. Yeah. Jordan Peterson warned us. But, but listen, it's not the government doing it. It's private corporations. Oh, like, you're going to make me cry just mentioning its name. Jordan? So, oh, did you not see the the, the employees? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All the so morning. Triggered. Well, what I loved so much they about They didn't even this, read his book. What, what, what I loved so much it. about the story was that they thought that that was a story they needed to tell to the reporter. Like, this is going <laughs> to help us. It's going to show how passionate. So. I heard they were going to publish a Jordan Peterson book, and I cried. And it's like, okay. my question is, what was the book about? <laughs> I don't know. He's oh, all right or something. Cooking. cooking right? <laughs> Jordan Peterson family recipes, and it's nothing but steak. Just, just steak every page. I love this idea. That's, That's a great, great idea. Somebody, I, was, to make I that. was thinking about sex and gender, about how, okay, what I was raised, I was taught that sex and gender are different. They are. That yes, sex are. is your bio, biology, and gender is what you identify with emotionally. Well, well gender is... is uh, Social, social. So yeah, like, yeah, it's how you socially identify. No, 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 no. Like words can have gender. So in romance languages, words are gendered. So why not just acknowledge whatever sex you are? Okay. But then if you want to change your gender, just go legally do it at a, at the courthouse. No, 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 why no. Why not? That would be so easy. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Your ID doesn't say man or woman. It says male or female. And the reason for that is typically medical or for le- important legal reasons. And it's, it's but just you could add something to the identification if you wanted to use a different gender. This is the, this is the issue that's really causing everything to kind of break down is that you're correct. Uh, sex and gender are different things. Typically, for the longest time, especially with me growing up, people use sex and gender interchangeably. Right. But the, if someone comes out and says it's a distinction, I can say absolutely fine. No problem. The issue is, though, on your passport, on your ID, on your birth certificate, it says male or female, not to make you feel better, not to express your identity, but to explain to people medically what you likely are. It's not perfect, but I, 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 we, we, I did a, a segment on this for, for Scanner, which is the, the news outlet now Emily and Rocco are running. We talked with Dr. Deborah So, and we. She's wonderful. She's wonderful. She's, she's, a, she's brilliant. And in it, we talk about the 1992, I believe, Health Revitalization Act. Before this, 1992, get this, not even that long ago, when they did clinical trials, they had no obligation to actually do, do clinical trials on both males and females. And so what ended up happening was medication would come out that would be particularly ineffective or dangerous for females. When you do, when, when, there's, when there's a medical emergency, there's a reason why there's a male or female on your ID. 
It's not just so that when you show your ID, someone can see this and then call you by your proper pronouns. It's so that if you fall down and they're like, what medication can we give this person? They have a better idea. Now, in most circumstances, most times someone's in a medical emergency, male or female, they're going to be able to help you out just fine. But there are circumstances where for distinct reasons, it's important that we understand your biology is not you the same. You can have like, it's a male, she, her. Like if you wanted to go to the courthouse and get your gender legally changed, but still have that it says male. So if there's a medicine that it's dangerous for females. I just think that a lot of this gets into the nitty gritty of the way that, that, uh, you know, government and corporations have to define everything about us at all times. And it's just, it's, it's a very difficult thing, but just to go back to the original point you made, the, the page story. Um, and again, as, as an actor, great, uh, uh, Umbrella Academy was good, you know, the yeah, great next man. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, Incredible. um, and I just think that part of the problem is you, you put these two stories next to each other, the UK story and the, and the, uh, page story. And then this other piece that got written this past week, uh, perhaps I, I don't know how she knew this story was coming by, uh, Katie Herzog, uh, from, uh, who, uh, does blocked and reported with Jesse single, uh, the podcast, which you should uh, listen to. Uh, she wrote this piece, this amazing piece about uh, called uh, where where are all the lesbians gone uh, that uh, talked about the fact you know, early on that they're like only 15 lesbian bars left in America and that all these people are redefining themselves as trans instead of lesbian. It's it, it that's crazy. Look at this. Uh, Katie writes lesbian bars have always been vastly outnumbered by bars for straight people and gay men. But in the, but in the 1980s, there were more than 200 lesbian bars in the U.S. What happened? Well, a lot of them sucked. The first lesbian bars I went to in my early 20s were dank, smoky caves where women in khaki shorts and backward caps grinded on each other to outcast. They could have been frat bars if not for the notable absence of men. Uh, and she, I don't know if she specifically references uh, 15 or whatever. She says there's also economic challenge. This is what took down Lexington and infamous. I can't use that word, unfortunately, on YouTube. Um, but yeah, she, she goes on to say there used to be a lot more. And that was kind of the point I want to bring up. She the the point that she's overall making is that something is happening here in society. And the problem that you're pointing out is that basically if we move into the way that certain people want us to talk about this, we can't even discuss it. We we can't even, you know, kind of put it out on the table and say, well, let's talk about this interesting phenomenon that's, that's so happening. Why me. is it happening? And to me, that's just it's just so we got to talk. So about she, it. She, she literally opens with whoops, click the wrong thing. She literally opens with, opens with, there are only 15 lesbian bars left in the entire country. Hmm. It's crazy. So there, are you, are you familiar with Get the L Out? This was a protest in the, I believe in the, in the UK. Mm-hmm. Many of these uh, lesbians are being called, you know, TERFs. They were basically saying that trans activism is erasing lesbians. And this is kind of what I guess Katie Herzog is saying about the lesbian bars. I, I just think that this is a situation where it's almost impossible to discuss all of these things, honestly, if we have the kind of restrictions that are yeah, trying to be put it's on crazy. Us. And that's we- crazy, especially with that UK case that is going to lead to a ton more lawsuits. What was the case? Oh, yeah. What's- so high court ruling on puberty blockers protects teenagers, says woman who sued NHS. Three judges say children under 16 must be able to give their competent consent and understand the treatment. So this was a, a, a woman who transitioned and then realized it was for, for them a mistake and then detransitioned, detransitioned. But I tell you, you can't have that conversation. There was, like I mentioned, there was a website that told all these stories. I'll tell you, man, some of the most horrifying stories. And I'll t- the reason why they were horrifying is that they were saying their loved ones were just telling them, do it, do all of these things. And they weren't getting an honest, healthy, 
therapeutic and, and loving analysis of what was going on in their lives and what they really needed to feel better. They were kids. They were young they, people. It was, it was the, uh, stories of all types, stories of all types. And uh, uh, there they were, they were forums on Reddit that talked about this. They're like Reddit, you know, subreddits where they were like, here's, here's what, what I went through. Banned. All and then, banned. And then Mario Lopez comes along and says, you shouldn't yes. be shoving drugs into kids and suddenly has to go through this. Mario, like- <laughs> Mario Lopez said three-year-olds probably don't know if they're trans and he had to apologize for it. To who? To, I, he was going to get fired, I guess. By who? I mean, listen, Mario, you shouldn't have apologized. <laughs> Absolutely not. When, when I was three, I probably wanted to be a triceratops. Yeah, a little exactly. Joe, Joe Biden said, if an eight-year-old decides to be trans, there should be no discrimination. Dude, I used to play as Wonder Woman. I used to dress up, not dress up, but I would run around and be like, I'm Wonder Woman. She was my favorite character. So, I'd, But I, I didn't want to be a woman. I was always like, what would it be like to be a girl? I mean, it's just crazy. I, I, I thoughts, but... I, so, so this, is, this is what happens. Joe Biden, when he said that, if an eight-year-old chooses to be trans, there should be no discrimination. That is the kind of... I believe that's irresponsible. I believe the correct answer should be the issues of private family matters for minors is the responsibility of their parents and their doctors. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. That's hey, easy, he easy shouldn't answer. be telling or encouraging or saying, no, no, listen, there are, there are certainly circumstances where there are transgender uh, kids and teenagers and the parents need to make sure they're doing everything right. And the doctors are doing everything right. He's so checked out when he did that at the debate and told that woman about her eight year old. Uh, yeah. The, the town hall. Yes. Yeah. 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 But, but, but that again is the sinkhole. That you just get sucked into on these things where where logic goes out the window and you don't think about the ramifications of it. And then you wake up one morning and there are a bunch of kids who need therapy and are pissed off at their parents for shoving drugs into them for something well, there, that was there, just a phase. There was that uh, that viral clip from, I think, that HBO show mm-hmm. where the there's the young trans kid telling his mom, my life is ruined. I hate this. I shouldn't have ever done it. And the mom just stares and says nothing. And it's almost like, you know. It, it goes back into what I was saying about censorship, the fact that even having this conversation, we run the risk of getting demonetized and getting banned, but it needs to be talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, if this mother never heard any of these conversations, then the only thing she knew is must be good. Yeah. Now now the kid is telling his mom, and this is, an, this is on HBO, this is going viral, my life is ruined. Yeah. I can't stand it. Parents yeah. need to be there for their kids, man. This is just, I mean, it's it's a tragedy, and the adults who, I think we will look back on this as being a very stupid and crazy time for the kind of adults who just egged all of this on and acted as if there were no downsides. You know, science can solve your problems for you and make all the confusion go away when kids are confused and teenagers especially are confused. And we should let people work their way through these things and make decisions as informed adults and not force them into boxes early on Based on you know what you've read in the in the silly magazines that make for make arguments for Teen this Vogue, yes, you Teen know, Vogue in Karl particular, Marx and stuff like that. And you know that one of the issues is, uh, I think there's a kind of a feedback loop that is driving the left insane. So they make rules to appease what they think is normal. Then those rules create an environment where you can only talk about what they think is normal, hmm. which then slowly starts spinning and spinning and moving further and further left. So you end up with the CEO of Twitter saying, here's our rules. And the rules are applicable or understood only by 8% of the population, the ultra progressives. Regular people are being banned left and right, creating an echo chamber of all this far left nonsense, which then results in people growing up, getting jobs at Twitter, and then believing the insane nonsense and then enacting rules of what they think is normal. And it's an endless cycle. And and that's why the future of the left uh, depends on the line that runs through AOC's heart because she 
as someone who is a legitimate economic progressive and a populist, I believe, on those points, had has shunted those issues to the side in order to accept and embrace this woke ridiculousness. And, you know, a byproduct of that, she and the rest of the squad pushing Bernie into that box, which he had never occupied before. Historically, he had you know talked about, you know, race as you being used by, you know, corporations to divide us in ways where they, we should be united based on class interests and economic interests until 2016 until. Yes. And, and then he went woke. And then and then we have a situation where, you know, the, the left now. Are you just going to be satisfied with a situation where Facebook is policing this stuff and YouTube is banning Tim Pool and, you know, you have big tech doing all these different things, carrying out your woke agenda? Meanwhile, you know, the very class people you've always said you were fighting for against the Amazons of the world are getting absolutely crushed. I mean, that's that's a scary future. It's, man. it's, it's a funny <laughs> thing when, when the left is in favor of massive private corporations, unconstrained power to silence and disrupt the lives of in, of the working class. Do you think it's because they've just given up on the the process of how a democratic republic works through and solves these problems I think electorally? They want power. I it's think just I a think I think you got a lot of bullies who want power and have found a path. They found a pitchfork and a torch and they've they've gone with it. And I think it's funny that, you know, for most of my life I was pretty much on the left. Now that we're at, you know, we're coming into the situation where Trump is evil and, you know, uh, you know, he's he's the next coming of Hitler and all this other nonsense, a an honest take on that. And they say you're right wing I think or, or it, it's everything's just so, so absolutely binary. Like right now, there's articles talking about people who are supporting conspiracy theories, mm -hmm. specifically if you believe there was fraud in the election. And so if you are honest about the news, you're right wing. That's where we're at right now. And so I took that famous line and I said, reality has a right wing bias. At least it does today. What was it? Colbert who said reality is a left wing bias. You know what? 15 or so years ago. Maybe it did back then. But today when I pull up, you know, uh, CNN and they just say no evidence of fraud at all. And then I literally have a sworn affidavit. Six of them all dropped at one time. Well, witness testimony under oath is, 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 is evidence. The media is lying about this stuff. Can, just because you mentioned him real quick as a sideline. Who do you think is the first of these comedians or talk show hosts? No, the existing oh. ones today who basically just made their uh, milk and honey out of Trump for the past four years. Which of them gets the axe first? Samantha B. It has to be, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, they're all so bad and they're be. spread so thin and their jokes are the same and they're so tired and everybody's, I mean, Frankly, Colbert was very close to being fired, I believe, just because of his uh, ratings at the time prior to Trump getting right. elected and turning so political. And, yep. you know, and I, I mean, I've loved Colbert during his career. I've met him and he's been very kind to me and that kind of thing. But at the same time, it's like you became so one note and so partisan and so politicized, you stopped making jokes. And, right. and to me, I, I look at that whole situation and it's like, can we maybe get some good comedy back in here? You had Ryan Long in here the other day. He's hilarious. Who I've interviewed before too. He's absolutely hilarious. Did you see that Instagram just pulled his video down. Whoa, really? Today. Which one? Uh, three days ago. Which video? Ago. I, it was pulled down, but it's on YouTube. No he was way. Like, Guess you got to go to YouTube to see my new video that Instagram pulled down. Oh my gosh! But yeah. he's a good example he's of real. some. Like, there's so many comedians who, uh, I mean, I, and many of them are are leftists, you know, but. Comedy itself is anti-woke in, in all of its respects. I mean, it's designed to cut people down. It's designed to, you know, make these points. And to me, looking at this landscape of hackery 
uh, just we deserve a show that actually makes us laugh. I think, at the end this, of the day. I think firstly, because comedians are smart and that these people have given up. I think a lot of people on, on the left that are crazy. And you were like, have they given up? It's like they got to a puzzle. It's like, OK, it's a D. You get to a puzzle and it's so complex. You can't figure it out. And you're just like, I, I don't know. And then you choose bash as your option and you just yes. smash it to yeah. get through. And that's what they're doing. They're going woke yeah. and they're just bashing because it's it's. The, the military industrial complex, the pharmaceutical industry, all these industries, the media, the manipulation, they're hearing different things is so confusing to these people that they're just giving up and then they're just choosing to so, go woke. Let's just go. So, so Ryan Long's video was white women say go back to hating white men. OK, so I actually doing, I, it was doing really well. I, I, just I had just saved that on, on my YouTube <laughs> before I came over here today to remind myself to watch it. But that's that's crazy. They pull something like that. That's that sounds hilarious. It's obvious jokes, <laughs> but you know what they allow? They well, I'm not even going to get into it. They they allow bodily fluids and and certain things. Uh, like yeah. the, what they choose to allow and not allow is really weird. Like honestly, in my opinion, the nipple thing is kind of funny. Well, There's like there it's so there kind are of amusing. women who take um like they're like vinyl stickers of male nipples over their nipples, yeah. and that's approved by Instagram. What? Because Amazing. like because the rules are like this weird system where it's like male nipples are okay, female aren't. What the heck? Right. It's kind of it's weird, isn't it? It's like I just gotta allow the nipple, man. You gotta. I guess you have to allow it. <laughs> I don't know what you do because it makes no sense that they do that because then it looks like they're just topless anyway. You know. Yeah, you're I mean? still insinuating. I think the simulated nudity is just like nudity, right? I don't know. That's how it's treated on mine. <laughs> I think the rules are all really weird. Yes. And but but again. Stupid rules. We're surrounded by stupid rules. And Dude, some, sometimes they have the force of government behind them, but we're increasingly surrounded by stupid rules from places that really ought to be more in the business of just like, we're a place where you can charge for your newsletter. All right. <laughs> so, so this is funny, right? It's always been the liberals that were like the corporations, the corporations, and you know, we got to tax the companies and stop them, and the government is good. Then for a long time, it was always the conservative saying, no, the free market is okay. The corporations are not evil and the government. Is, I'm, I'm speaking generally, of course. Yeah. Now it's the Democrats saying, but my private business. It's and like they, you sound like the Koch brothers. And they, and they think you're, they all think you're stupid. I mean, Jeff Bezos, you know, he, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, Amazon is viewed as horrible. That's so bad. I'm going to buy the Washington Post with basically money, money I found in, with my couch. Oh, and let's put <laughs> democracy dies in darkness yeah, at the top. We're at the top. And we'll have all these stories bashing Trump and we'll you know, market it through Amazon as like a bonus to people. Meanwhile, we're going to put out a business, small businesses all yep. over the place, and we're going to crush them when it comes to IP. We're going to engage in all of this negative behavior, and you're not going to care because we're just anti-Trump. We're this, anti the, the fascists. We're fighting them. But So this is why I think we're on the precipice. Well, I, I can't keep using that analogy. I said before, I feel like we've splattered on the ground. We felt the precipice. We went over a long time ago. We were falling for a long time, smacked the ground. This country has been split in two, and you've got people... I, it's more than uh, two. It's fractured. No, no, no. It, it is. But just speaking generally, the people who are supporting Joe Biden, who are supporting the lockdowns, and there's a large overlap, not not every single, but the Venn diagram is pretty, you know, tightly compact, allowing private businesses to take away, to, to monopolize the commons. That is the most anti-leftist thing I've ever heard, but the left supports it. Yeah. Not all leftists, but for the most part, they deny the censorship is even happening. They say things like it's a private business, they can do what they want. And I'm like... Bro, the conversations we have, the marketplaces, that's called the commons. It's the area of where it's supposed to be like for all of us to work and live together. The left was always about defending that. Now you're saying, but my private business, when they censor somebody, take away their banking, or even in some instances, kick them out of their apartments, which has happened to some people. 
That's how crazy things are getting. They're supporting it. So you know what I see? Stupid and complicit people, the priests of the cathedral who know what they're doing and manipulate these people. And then you end up with the, I guess you call it the red pilled. That's the, that's the analogy they use. It's not, not all conservatives. Mm-hmm. I think conservatives were the ones who woke up to this a long time ago because they were being lied about quite a bit. But then you end up with disaffected liberals, people like me. You're certainly no conservative. You're further left than I am on a lot of issues. And you would be considered right wing for a lot of things. That's insanity. I, it is. It is. Look well, at you. You're, you're a hippie dude, okay. skateboard shirt with long hair. And they'll call you right wing. Dude, but this is what's right the, and listen, left are gone. They don't mean anything. Of course. They're vague. But think about what's happening now. What is someone to do when you are watching Amazon eviscerate the working class laughing while they do it. Democracy dies in darkness as he spits in your face and they advocate and 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 fund politicians who say it's against the science, but we're going to destroy your life, your small business, your family. We're going to tell you to wear a mask in your own home between bites, but we're going to go out and party like Gavin Newsom. <laughs> What's a regular person going to do when they see that over and over again? And they know because they're listening, they're paying attention. People are going to explode, man. I was on uh, Fox News earlier today. Uh, in uh, the noon hour, and they were talking about Neera Tandon, the appointee or the uh, the expected appointee to uh, head the OMB Office of Management and Budget underneath Joe Biden. Uh, and uh, Neera is obviously somebody who you know about and uh, is uh, Russiagate. very controversial when it comes to <laughs> both her association with Hillary Clinton, her activities running the Center for American Progress, her general trollishness toward people online. And as the uh, Democrat who was on the show, Leslie Marshall, was defending her, she said, you know, she's backed by, you know, is qualified by such a diverse, you know, coalition of people, including Hillary Clinton and Bill Kristol. Huh. And I just and I literally <laughs> I literally said you could find this clip. I started going, ha, 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 like into my microphone. Just for people who don't know who's Bill Kristol, <laughs> the former the former head of the now defunct uh, Weekly Standard, but also someone who. You know, is also a major neoconservative figure, you know, uh, has argued for wars all around the world and very th- similar to Hillary. It, it, to me, it's uh, well, but <laughs> I said, look, you know, the fact that you think that these two people coming together to back near a tandem is an is a mark in her favor, you know, tells us a lot about what this where this administration is going, which is what I right. here is what I honestly think we have. We have a situation where the the America last foreign policy, the people who view everything through the global sphere as opposed to what is in the interest of, of the American people who view war as something that we should go into, you know, uh, on the other side, people who view war as something that we should go into very reluctantly, very rarely, and always with the interests of Americans and the American uh, and American stability, uh, you know, at heart. In other words, you know, there's a higher level of, of threat from the cartels than from a lot of these yeah. you know, countries in, in Africa. Uh, that's a side point. But the, the point being, I think that that's now moved into this new, this center-left globalist uh, uh, co- coalition that Biden wants to form, and that the Kamala Harris folks want to want to form in his stead, uh, which is we're going to be good to big tech, we're going to be good to big Wall Street, we're going to do everything that they want in terms of of globalism and get back into uh, you know the. Uh, Paris Climate Accords, which China likes more than us, uh, which, uh, you know, get back into the Iran deal, you know, get back into all these other things that other places want that don't look out for American interests. And they really think that they can hold that together with the glue of progressive wokeism. There's a a, a reporter for The Atlantic who blocked me recently because uh, I quote tweeted him in a critical, uh, critical of the media in general. 
But uh, we're seeing something quite a bit where they're saying there's this this meme going around where the journalists say if uh, the past four years of Trump was like drowning in a vat of Tabasco sauce, then the next four years of Biden will be like sipping unflavored almond milk. And everyone laughs like, haha, Joe Biden is going to be so, so boring, right? So Joe Biden hurts his ankle. Okay. And this reporter for the Atlantic posts an image saying Joe Biden playing with dog hurts ankle. And he says, you know, an image of how boring the next several years are going to be. And then he does this joke where it's like 2019, Donald Trump extra, extra legally calls for an investigation of Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live because they made a critical, you know, sketch about him. 20, 2021, you know, Joe Biden plays with a dog, something like that. So my response was 2011, Barack Obama orders drone strike on civilian cafe in country we are not at war with, killing a 16 year old American citizen. And his response to the public is oopsie. 2020. <laughs> Joe Biden's transition team is looking a lot like Barack Obama's team. So we're going to get Obama 2.0. Point being, journalists are basically telling us they're not going to do their jobs. Totally. They're already saying it's so funny playing with a dog. Meanwhile, it's like, OK, uh, should we count down the days until he blows up some kids? I mean, it's, uh, it's, I'll take bets. It's definitely a situation where you're going to have them using, oh, there's a there's a rescue pet. You know, oh, look at look at the funny socks. Oh, you know, uh, uh, Tony Blinken, he he plays the guitar. That's the thing that we're going to talk right, about the right, next right. secretary of state. And it's like, shouldn't aren't there more important things that are going to need to be addressed here? I mean, the most significant, obviously, being I still have no idea what Joe Biden's secret plan to end the coronavirus looks like. Didn't have one. I mean, it's of course just, he doesn't. It just seems to be yell on the phone via, you know, at uh, governors to have more mask mandates. Now. We can play the, the partisan game and I can say, I just read a story that Joe Biden hurt his ankle playing with a dog. What is this man doing playing with a dog during one of the most the worst pandemics we've ever experienced? Shouldn't he be working on something instead of playing around? Why? Is, you can play silly games, criticize him for whatever you can. But that's that's like the, the, the partisan. That's the, that's the partisan media. run. Barack right? Obama admits that he was smoking throughout his entire tenure right. at the White House. Smoking Some, pot? No, no, no I wish. Um, but, but <laughs> maybe you uh, want to kill so many kids. Honestly, it would probably, probably been a much better call the peace pipe. Uh, but but seriously, the the fact that we never knew that when everyone yeah. was so like picking apart uh, Trump's like I look, think, they always lie about the president's health. I they think, always say he's healthier. Than I think he is, Jake Tapper, Jake Tapper, there was like something happened. Uh, Jake Tapper called him out and got ridiculed for it. Mm -hmm. uh, like years ago, he said I smelled smoke on Obama, and then they all made fun of him. I think it was Tapper. And now he's like, I do it. recall this. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's but it's like, that's what they're going to do again. They're going to totally because it's fine. A tan suit. Oh, that was the only scandal. The <laughs> yeah, only that, was, scandal. that was the right, wasn't it? That was that was criticizing him. So the tan suit thing uh, is a total fake news fiction. It's like a handful of people made fun of the right. tan suit. Yep. And then everybody has now put like the tan suit was this huge scandal on the right. And it's like it was literally a handful. I, of I remember. Jokes. I remember. Interestingly, we have a, a Luke Rutkowski is hanging out. He was at, I think it was like a DNC, it was a debate or something, a DNC convention. And he asked a couple Democrats about the extrajudicial assassination by Barack Obama of a 16 year old American citizen whose name was Abdul Rahman Alalaki. And it was, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, it's Charlie Gibbs, is that his name? He said, well, he should have had a better father. The, so, so, so the questions that arose Ooh. from, <laughs> no, no, yeah, seriously. <laughs> that is a hot take. Yeah. <laughs> 16 year old American from Denver, Colorado, lived in San Diego was visiting his grandparents in Yemen. Barack Obama ordered a drone strike in Yemen. We're not at war with Yemen. Blowing up a civilian restaurant. We don't target civilians. Killing an, a 16-year-old American citizen. 
What the? Don't target kids. And his Talk dad about was somebody that Obama wanted dead, right? Yeah, he was uh, uh, suspected of being like a high high profile like uh, jihadist. So the theory is they killed the guy's son. Well, the the anti war activists think that Barack Obama was basically telling the world, "If you f with us, I will kill your kids." It's that, so, and he's willing to blow up civilians to do it. It's so funny how, though the the media complex pretended that Trump's approach to foreign policy was going to be something that dragged him down that was this negative around him with the American people when it is so much more historically in sync with what Americans tend to want, which is they, they do, they are not peaceniks. Okay. They, they go through periods of after heavy wards of being, you know, sort of looking like peaceniks, but in reality they tend to be as Walter Russell Mead has written consistently Jacksonian, which is that if you leave us alone and you don't screw with us, then we won't. We don't want to go over there and screw right. with you and have it come back and you know have it be complicated and that kind of thing. Uh, we just want you to leave us alone. But if you screw with us, we're going to come over and we're just going to you know and we're armed, beat the crap out of you for <laughs> and uh, then some and more and and that's what they like. But then they don't like to stay around and exist in these nation building ways. Right. And in fact, George W. Bush made that same argument when he was running for president in 2000. He said, we don't want to be in the nation building business anymore. That type of thing. Wow, well, exactly. That's how it worked wow. out for him. Um, <laughs> go back, you can go back involved. and find that clip. Well, but I think that that's another indication where there is a, that is the undercurrent because it's actually pretty consistent with frankly, a lot of people who come from military families want. It's the fact that they don't want their, kid to be sent over to some small war. They understand the purpose of defending America. They're patriots. They want the country to be defended. They don't want to, you know, get rid of the military or, or, you know, shut that all down. At the same time, they don't want to hear about their kid dying in Africa, as we saw, you know, a little more than a year ago and have senators come on the camera and say, I didn't even know that we were in this part of Africa, Wow, you know, and that's what happened. And it's yeah. like, that should disgust us. We should never have a situation where that happens. This is the first time I've heard of that. You know, you know, we had a we had a lefty on the show, and he was like 26. We were talking about Joe Biden's, you know, as vice president and these scandals, and he was like, "I think I was 15 or 16 when that happened." And so, I'm like, so, I, so a lot of these totally. And and I'm experiencing this now because I am an old man at 38, um, and <laughs> uh, and I have employees now who were you know two years old. When 9 11 happened, yeah. three years old. Uh, and, uh, you know, they don't even, you know, when, when one of my colleagues makes a reference to Team America World Police and they have no idea what he's talking about, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is really depressing. Dad, it's like, what, you're what, old. Is, what is this puppet <laughs> sex movie that you're talking about? Anyway. Get familiar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Paul only way I would sleep with you is if you promised me you would never die. I will oh. never die. <laughs> the, the, the thing that is, Amazing about it is you start to see how, uh, and I didn't listen to people who were older than me and who told me this. Our politics repeats so much. Yeah. It has this rhyming quality to it where we come back to these same points with new figures and new elements, but they also repeat in these fascinating ways. And, you know, oftentimes I think you end up having these controversial in the time figures who in retrospect prove to be viewed as incredibly effective or having done amazing things. You know, Reagan was one of these figures. Clinton became one of these figures. I think in retrospect, people look back and they're like, wow, that Bill Clinton, he was, you know, very centrist and sort of did these cultural, culturally slightly conservative things and, you know, had these attitudes in different directions. At the time, he was the most controversial person we'd oh, ever yeah. seen in the presidency and, and Republicans 
hated him and loathed him and investigated the crap out of him and impeached him. And I think in, in retrospect, we'll look back, we'll come to look back on Trump as being a similar figure in a lot of respects. I where think, he well, governed closer to the center than people actually Many, many people are saying, you know, how many uh, months or years until Ellen is, you know, sharing candy with Trump at a baseball game or something. Soon, but I think it'll be Biden first. <laughs> well, look, George W. Bush in that famous, yes. you know, bit with the saying the candy. With Who Michelle will it Obama be? Who will it be? Because it won't be somebody who's conservative like Vince Vaughn. It'll be someone who's a little bit more. Who will it be? It's it's Maybe it's crazy to me that if you yeah. look at the things George W. Bush did and Dick Cheney compared to what Trump did, it's just like night and day. And here they are. There was a poll that came out that said Democrats view George W. Bush more favorably than Trump. And I'm like, y'all have lost oh it. Oh, my gosh. But this, this is why just I, don't but know. Listen, no, no, no. This, this is why I brought I up the, the dude. On it. This, yes. But when you have when you have people who are you got 20 year olds who voted 20 year olds who are activists online right, online right now, marching down the street, right. waving banners when we got into Iraq. Yeah. And they were, were 10 in, in, they were they were they were they were uh, that. what eight years old during the economic crisis. They were 10 years old in 2010. They were 11 during Occupy Wall Street. Mm. So while we're on Occupy Wall Street and you've got the left rising up, complaining about Obama and both Democrats and Republicans. And we got all of these years. Look, the, the, the emergence of Black Lives Matter and all this stuff happened under Obama. The National Guard being deployed, all of it's under Obama. We had these riots. We had, uh, you know, Libya, Syria, all of these conflicts. You have stories about drone strikes. They called him Obamer, Obamber, like bombing people. They called him the deporter in chief. Here we are. We get Trump. Not good in the first few years in foreign policy, improving very much so in the, in the, in the last two years, firing Bolton, especially. I bring it up all the time. It was a great move. Shouldn't have hired him in the first place. Yep. And then I'm talking to these, these people who are now in their twenties and they're like, I was 10 when all that was happening. And I'm like, so you, you come into my house. We've been fighting this fight against these insane, these insane people. You know, uh, Hillary Clinton was told a no-fly zone over Syria would mean World War III, war with Russia. And she was like, basically, so what? So you, you know what you just touched on there is is one of the the great ironies of Trump's presidency, which is that uh, to the degree that it was a failure, um, it is because he failed to do the very thing he was most famous for before coming into the presidency, which is Building? fire people. Oh, <laughs> yes. If he had fired Seriously. James Comey on day one. Oh, yeah. You don't have all of that. You, I don't he think trusted, it, you know, he trusted it, too many people. If, if you, if you fire or never hire Bolton, you don't have that period. If you fire Anthony Fauci, the minute that he comes out and says, we're not, we shouldn't reopen schools despite the rest of the first world reopening schools. Uh, I mean, it, there's Trump. a lot of different things that could have gone right here if Trump had been quicker to fire people as yep. opposed if, to if he had, and, and, and if he had actually been almost, if, if he, if it was even an, one one degree towards more authoritarian as much as they claim well, him to be. But and in addition, it's the funny thing is that that's the actual I would argue the same thing of George W. Bush, you know, uh, Michael Brown and, and Katrina, you know, heck of a job. Brownie, he should have fired him almost immediately as it became clear that he was not cut out to run FEMA in this situation. You know, he he declined firing Rumsfeld, you know, when Rumsfeld was willing to go like there's a number of instances where he kind of stuck with people out of personal loyalty and it ended up backfiring. I just think that this is, it's again, it's one of those situations where things rhyme and people, yeah. people end up it's getting cowardice. Caught Bush was a coward. He had Cheney run the military. Trump's a coward. He doesn't, he wants people to like him. So he won't make hard decisions. I wouldn't necessarily say cowardice. It's more, there's, we forget sometimes that politicians are, are human. Hmm. And I think that one of the things that animates them so much, it's similar to actors 
uh, no, and no offense to Mr. Page, is that they have this deep hole in their heart that needs to be filled with something, whether yeah. that's adulation or praise or affirmation. I mean, there's a reason that so many great politicians have parents who are drunks. That describes Donald Trump. And it he really puts does. his name in giant gold letters on tops of buildings all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the joke is that, he, you know, his, he was neglected. I mean, the left argues he was literally abused or neglected like, by his father. He was letting Bolton run the show until he saw that people hated him on Twitter. And he's like, uh-oh, <laughs> bad, gotta get rid of him so people like me. He's so like, the, the like, American conservative didn't... wrote, fire Bolton, hire Tulsi. And I was clapping. I'm like, yes, like, she, <laughs> absolutely, get rid of this guy. But I think that this is a, a situation where, once again, we we now have a, a, a political situation that is dominated by the olds, by the people who have nothing in common with all the people who you were just talking about. Yep. We have we had three presidents from the same birth year. 1946. Right. Okay. It had it had George W. Bush, it had Bill Clinton, and it had Donald Trump. Wow. They were all born within seven months of each other. And um and if you think about it, That's they're all crazy. kind of the different aspects of boomerism. Yeah. Like Clinton, the kind of, you know, hippie higher ed, you know, draft dodger, <laughs> you know, George W. kind of the the miscreant, like the guy who kind of had a rough time but then kind of made good. Frat boy. Uh, yeah. And then Trump is kind of the rat pack, you know, hold over, <laughs> you know, over the top Vegas, you know. Um, Where are the young people in this in the, in this, you know? Well, With we Joe just went Biden? older. We just went to our first silent generation era. We went older. Than, yeah, the, no. than the baby boom. He snapped his foot playing with his dog. Seriously. This is no, the no, 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 no. Listen, I'm going to say it again. Joe Biden is the worst thing to happen to this country for, for, like, listen, there's a lot of, I'm sure Joe's fine in a lot of ways. He's bad in a lot of ways. But for what this country is going through right now, the worst possible thing that could happen is Joe Biden. You know why? Because he's frail. Every, every Republican hates him or, or for the most part doesn't like him. And half the Democrats don't like him. He only got elected, arguably from the right, they'll say because of fraud, but in the surface level approach, people voted against Trump. Yes. Against Trump, meaning at a time when we are more polarized than ever and we need strong leadership to unite us, what we get is nothing. We have no president. People we have hate no leader. voted, dude. I, I yep. really, I really say this with hope that it is not true. But the, the worst president in American history, in my, from my perspective, is James Buchanan. And obviously he, led to civil war a long war. time ago can you explain <laughs> why james buchanan was was a a feckless and uh corrupt sort of old, uh, guy who you know really was completely unprepared for the kind of strife that was coming in the, into the country ultimately he was obviously followed by abraham lincoln and we immediately went into civil war because of it now i'm not predicting that and i want to make clear that i'm not predicting that but this it has a similar flavor to it of someone who is just elected in, uh, in for a lot of reasons that don't have to do with him and then shows himself to be very ill-suited for the historic moment that he inhabits. And I really worry that that's what we're facing right now. Maybe Donald Trump uh, convinces, look, Pennsylvania says they're not going to come into session. They, they say we need five days for a joint resolution. Maybe Trump gets a lightning strike three times. No. Georgia, maybe, Wisconsin, no. and Arizona. It's but guess what? Late. You know what's really interesting? No one's that lucky in a casino. Not one. <laughs> but hey, yeah. hey, hey. I, I, I look, I, I've been saying it since the seventh. Like, I think it's astronomically likely it's going to be. Or I, I shouldn't say should that. I shouldn't say it that way. The odds extremely in Joe Biden's favor to the point where it's like ninety nine point nine nine percent. But the reason I reserve that little bit, actually, early on, I said it was probably like ninety seven because Trump still had these lawsuits and he still had the states weren't certified. Now we're at a point where it's like winning the lottery three times in a row hmm. for, for Trump to pull yeah, it off. It's never gonna but happen. I'm not. But, but I, I would say never. I, but I wouldn't say never. I wouldn't say never. Because Chris, listen, listen, we had these hearings. OK, and people are freaked out. 
It doesn't mean it's likely at all. It just means the door, the, the, the here's, here's the way I put it. There's a track that Trump is on at the end of that. There's track, a gleam, men. There's well, a listen, gleam. <laughs> yes, there's a train track. Trump's train is on it and it is headed towards a door that means reelection. But in between our loop de loops, jumps, boulders, trees <laughs> falling over. And it's like, I don't see it making there. Maybe. Have you Extremely looked at, unlikely. Have you looked back at the election of 1876? It's, yes, it's, yes. It's, when, that was yes. when they appointed a council to determine the president. It was Amazing. crazy. It was absolutely <laughs> crazy. But it also puts in perspective how, like, I know 1876 seems like a long time ago, but that just shows, like, our American bias. Almost 150 years. You know, like, like there are people who are who are walking around who's, like, that was their grandpa who yeah. was around, you know, during so, that. Like, 30 and so, presidents ago or something? Well, I, 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 was, I was listening to the radio once, and it was a beer commercial. It was an import, and they were like... Our beer is protected by the, you know, fine beer law of 1217. And I was like, wow. <laughs> like, the United States doesn't go back that far, oh, you yeah, know? We are, we are so incredibly yep. young as a nation. Dude, I was just thinking, in order for us to have a normal conversation and just talk about this stuff, we have to have our own social network. It has to be a mesh network so we don't have an ISP. We have to be off the banking system and have crypto only because the banks can all shut us down. We have yep. to have our own electricity on site and our own water supply on site. Because the government can shut off our water and whoa, electricity whoa, whoa. just listen. to have a normal conversation publicly. <laughs> but th- listen, if, if you if you if you actually, you know, these people, the Green New Deal types and the leftists, everything you describe should be exactly what they're striving for. Get people off the grid so that they're self-sustainable. Get people. Why do we have lawns? Just grass. And then we, we do we mow the grass and we throw it in a compost? Well, we got to grow our own food. Yeah, why don't we grow potatoes? Can, what if you turn your front lawn well, into a potato field? Then you have then you have food. You don't have to grow your own food because you can but, you know. go buy stuff with crypto. But if you can't turn your crypto into cash fiat because you Listen, don't have a bank, because I, I, I wonder. The Stripe or the, the I, Swift I, payment system has cut you out, has banned your person. Right, right, right. And if and if we all became more self sufficient, that would have less of an impact on us. If we could That's, grow our own food, if we had our own energy in our I'm homes, thinking, just so you, you can talk. Without being censored. Without- but do you think that the, do you think though that the, the lockdowns and everything have been, have improved the possibility of that? Or no, they decreased. It yes. It's, it's now you got people saying, government, why won't you give me free food? Exactly. Exactly. It's like, I got a guard in my backyard. I, you, you know, uh, look, we moved, we, I moved out to the middle of nowhere because I don't want to be forced to live under their boot. Mm-hmm. When they start locking you down, telling you can and can't go to the store, you can't go out at night. You eventually run out of the, the limited food you have living in the city, and then you're just sitting there saying, "Please, government, can I now eat?" Okay, can I can I speak to that? The so I uh, was born in Mississippi, grew up a little bit in South Carolina, and then we moved to rural Virginia, which is actually about uh, you know an, an area where uh, before the big tech boom, before all of these companies moved in, it was all rural farmland and farmland that was starting to be chopped up into into suburbs but still homes that had tons of of land and the like and living in that area you were surrounded by two types of people um you know a very rural area basically it was people who their families had lived there for ages they were used to being incredibly self-sufficient you know when winter came if they were up you know sort of in the blue ridge they could you know live up there and be fine for ages and then you had these people who were moving there often from California and the like to staff these jobs at then it was AOL and MCI WorldCom and places like that that were the first ones coming in. And the differences between the kids could not have been greater. 
in terms of expectations about life and what was self-sufficiency and things like that. And seeing the early stages of like helicopter parenting as a trend at the same time that there were families where it was like, oh, yeah, the little kid, they'll just go off and they'll take care of themselves and then they'll come back. Total divide. And I feel like as a country, we're seeing that helicopter approach just completely take over. And the and the worry that I've had, and I've said this since this whole thing began, I had a conversation with a friend of mine um, uh, who uh, uh, does a great podcast called The Fifth Column. Um, and we were going back and forth and he said, you know, I'm worried that we're going to see revolution. We're going to see people with guns in the streets, you know, and that they're going to be fighting and killing politicians and things and like, and I said, my worry is they're just going to go along with all this because the American people are too docile. Now they don't have that self-sufficiency gene anymore. It's been smothered. And I just think that everything that's well, happened since has vindicated that. I, I have said over and over again that Republicans will probably just roll over, you know, put their feet up and accept accept it because and I mean they're Republican politicians. They're oh, constant, yes. They're well, that con- is their business. That yes. is their nature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the frog and but the scorpion. Pe- the, the, the people <laughs> I uh uh mm, the people I think are gonna get angry. Yes. So and- so 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 I was ta- I, we're out in the middle of nowhere and I was talking to a a, a guy who lives kind of kind of a bit of ways away, but I would consider it to be relatively local because we're in the middle of nowhere. And he was man, you could see it in his eyes. This like he's ready. He said, if Donald Trump told me, you know, come out, bring your weapons. And I was like, dude, 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 whoa. But Reuters ran a story saying something similar, that they interviewed Trump supporters and they said, if Trump, Trump need only give the word and they'll be out with their guns. That's the regular American. And that, I mean, look, I believe it because that's what America was. America was founded by people who are like FU government. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So did you, did, uh, did you see the whole this? principle that, that, that the only thing good about that Mark, Mark Wahlberg remake of the, of the gambler is, uh, the speech that John Goodman gives about how America is built on the principle of FU. Yeah. <laughs> you have did, an army. You're the biggest empire in the world. FU. <laughs> did you see the, uh, we have a story, the We the People convention. Did you see this, uh, yes, this, yes. this letter? So we have this ad. They say, we the people convention ex- exercising extraordinary authority in defense of our vote may be required because martial law is better than civil war. They go on to talk about what Lincoln did. He ordered hundreds of northern newspapers that spoke against him to be shut down. Lincoln ordered the arrest of Ohio Congressman Clement Vallandigham for the crime of speaking out against him. Chief Justice of the U.S., Roger, uh, Chief, Chief Justice of the U.S., Roger Taney, ruled that Lincoln had violated the U.S. Constitution when he illegally suspended the writ of habeas corpus. After hearing this, Lincoln signed an arrest warrant to have the Chief Justice of the U.S. arrested. <laughs> Lincoln ordered the arrest of thousands in Maryland for the crime of suspected Southern sympathies, including ordering the arrest of U.S. Congressman Henry May from Maryland. These people were arrested and held in military prisons without trial, some of them for years. And you had a war to win. And and guess what? <laughs> there are people who are calling for this right now. The point of this ad being taken out was to tell Trump to do it. They say we have well-funded, armed and trained Marxists and Antifa and BLM strategically positioned in our major cities, acting openly with violence to silence opposition for their anti-American agenda, attacking federal buildings and police, cowardly punching innocent people. I mean, I'm not going to read this whole thing. You goes know on, what? He won't. Let me let me let me read of you the end. Won't. But th- I think they you're s- right that Biden is this incompetent lackluster that for four years it's going to brew and someone is going to do. Well, that. The, the, the problem is just look at the reaction that was the non reaction that we saw during the summer. 
which I would actually argue is the point where any of the honest polls started to be completely wrong because yeah. white people in Wisconsin who you're trying to pull on your attitude towards BLM are absolutely not going to tell you that they hate it. Um, the, but uh, the reaction from Biden was basically, come on, man. Like, <laughs> come stop, on, man. Stop setting stuff on fire. Well, to, be, to be fair, his, his reaction was more uh, turning on a shot of pressure. <laughs> so he's so, like Buchanan, this, this crap nobody. It's, it's the sort of situation where I think you have these to your to what you were just saying you have these things brewing and festering and getting more and more intense and then when they when things start burning and the flame turns up here's the thing white cops have not sh- stopped shooting unarmed black men someone will that will happen you know within the next couple of months now it'll happen to it happens to a much lesser degree than you would think that it happens based on the media but the way that that it plays out and the response that Biden has to it you know, what is he going to do? This is going to be a situation where he's caught between the defund the police side of things that is frustrated and, and doesn't like the fact that they're being blamed for Democrat losses and this octogenarian leadership that de- Democrats have in Nancy Pelosi and the, and the head of the uh, heads of the house. It's, it's amazing uh, b- uh, that we have this situation. By the way, Matt Stoller, I think had a great tweet about them naming uh, Janet Yellen uh, to treasury uh, secretary. He's like, finally, the octogenarians of the democratic leadership are passing it along to the younger septuagenarians. <laughs> to take care of policy. But, but seriously, I don't think that he can manage that situation. If he, if he does, we can no. all, you know, raise our hands and say, Hey, you no know, way. thank God for Joe Biden. But I just think that this is this is not a moment that demanded this. It's a moment that demanded a lot more leadership. Let me let me let me read this uh, beginning of this ad talking about calling. It's calling on Trump to declare martial law. And they say on June 12th, 1863, Lincoln defended his extreme measures in a letter published in The New York Times, citing Article one of the Constitution. He argued ours is a case of rebellion. In fact, a clear, flagrant and gigantic case of rebellion. And the provision of the Constitution that, quote, the privilege of the writ of habeas corpus shall not be suspended unless when, in cases of rebellion or invasion, the public safety may require it, is the provision which specifically applies to our present case. Lincoln used the same reasoning to, in justif- justifying a series of extraordinary presidential orders. You know, the uh, I would encourage people to I don't I think, you know, Lincoln had a, a very different context than the current moment. It obviously. literally had seven states secede from the yes, union. I mean, I just don't think that we're going to and we shouldn't pretend that we are. But what I do think is we we invest way too much in our politicians and we have as a nation for far too long. We define ourselves by who our president is when I think we should be defined by who we are as neighbors and who we are in our communities and what those look like because they're closer to home. And I, it, but go ahead. I, I I think we need to return more to uh, local level politics, the yeah. way the, con- the the country was originally founded. There's a there's a C.S. Lewis line though about the dangers of of newspapers, you know the the main media of his day, where he says that the problem with them is that they bring all the sorrows of the world to your doorstep mm. every morning, and and instead and you focus. I'm paraphrasing, but he basically says, and uh, and that dominates your focus as opposed uh, to the neighbor to the friend to the place that you can walk to where you can actually make a difference. And that to me, the sorrows of all the world thing is, is totally what animates this current dominating leadership factor that says, you know, we need to be everywhere and solving everything in every aspect of every life as the federal government, right? As opposed to saying, you know, the, the, the gesture in the line, uh, your the politicians you care about the most should be close enough to kick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, so, uh, Originally, you know, before the 17th Amendment, 
senators were appointed. Yes. They were, they were voted on by the state legislatures and then sent to the, because we lived in a state mm-hmm. and we were citizens of a state that was part of a union. So we would vote for this at the state level and then things would move on up. Same thing with the electoral college. We were in the state. We had our electors. We voted for them. Then they went and we trusted them to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Now everything is all about the federal government. And you've got Republicans who understand the difference and are like, leave me alone. And the left who thinks we're just one big country, period. They don't understand the point of jurisdictions and states and sovereignty. Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere, uh, some person is doing something that I think is totally wrong from my apartment in Brooklyn. Uh, and even if I've never been to that state or heard of this place before right now, I'm very mad about it. And I'm going to be very loud online to get it to change. Remember when I think it was uh, I don't remember exactly what triggered it, but you had that, you know, Beto O'Rourke, you know, heck, yes, we're going to take your guns. And then, yes. you know, Biden appointing him. You had that guy who tweeted, what am I supposed to do if, if, if they take away my air 15? Yes. What am I supposed to do if 13 to 50? What was it? Feral hogs. Was it was it was it 13 to 43 yeah. or something like that? Get the, I don't, I don't, I don't know the number 30, off the top 50, of my head. Yeah, yeah something so. like that. Yeah. Have you heard the interviews with the guy since then? No, no, no. Oh, they're phenomenal. So some basically, uh, I think it was either Radio Lab or one of these other podcasts dug into, found this guy, interviewed him a couple of times and talked about this very real incident he had. 30 to 50. Not 30 bad. to 50, where, where all of these feral hogs had come into the backyard and he had to run out, you know, and, and shoot his gun to scare them away from his kids who were playing out there. And then what was funny about the podcast is like this, this, you know, again, New York based, I think, uh, uh, you know, interviewer starts researching the whole feral hog problem and suddenly discovers that like, it's this, a real thing. This is a real huge thing. Problem. It's a huge deal. Lots of people care about it. And it's really controversial in places like Oklahoma and the yeah. like. And, um, and it, but anyway. they, they live in it. They live in an urban bubble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was having a conversation with someone. Uh, there was, there was an argument on Facebook. And these people were arguing about guns and stuff. And the one person's like, it's ridiculous. You know, guns need to be controlled. And I, I responded with, where I live, wh- I live in the middle of nowhere. Who do I call? Mm-hmm. No, no, I have guns. I have many, many guns. Yeah. And, and, and we're elevated and we have excellent positioning. <laughs> I, I made a joke uh, recently. Uh, I, I wasn't a joke. It was like, I didn't know what it was called. I called it a deer sniper tower. And then all of the conservatives who know it's a deer blind started laughing. Correct. And I'm like, I don't know. It's just a tower you shoot from. So I called it a sniper tower. Deer blind. But, uh, yeah, deer blind. We, we, we actually have I, have, I have several friends, including uh, a couple of my employees who hunt feral hogs regularly because they're lots of fun to hunt. Um, but, it, but it's a really good example of why we have different laws in different jurisdictions totally. and why a, a, a republic makes so much sense. Not a big feral hog problem in, in Brooklyn or Bayside. Exactly. <laughs> and so, so if, if Brooklyn says we're going to have these certain restrictions on certain things, not necessarily guns because the Second Amendment, but let's say they're like, we don't want people riding around on, you know, uh, uh, you know, electric skateboards or whatever mm. because this thing happens. Well, if you live in the middle of nowhere, the electric skateboard's not an issue. You might have a different law for it. It makes sense. Yeah. What's happening now is with, with the left and Democrats thinking we're just one big country, they're like, everyone should have like no guns, all guns banned. You, you, you just need I mean? to think of feral hogs the same way that you think of bike lanes. <laughs> it's, it's a local nuisance for, yes, for you right. to deal with. And then, I mean, but again, the, the government that is closest to the people governs best and, and governs, I think, most honestly. And in this, in this situation, we have, nationalized everything with a media that has fewer and fewer outlets across the country. I mean, this this year, we had reporters on the ground covering uh, the election to the extent that it, it was happening uh, in 29 states. Okay, and that's with an organization of, you know, 14 people and uh, and, you know, a, a bunch of, of stringers and, and freelance contributors. And 
it, so frequently they would run into scenarios where they were on the ground and CNN would leave. And all of these sort of national places would come in, do a quick hit, and yeah. then they would get out. And you saw that most crazily in the in the Kenosha incident, yes, right, where you had that New York Times reporter who was there already to cover it, and she told the Daily, you know, I was told by some of the cops they thought it would be worse tonight, so I left and I went home. <laughs> and so, why do we have the footage that we have? Because of outlets that didn't even exist 20 years ago. Because of real journalists. Because of daily caller journalists, because of Town Hall, because of uh, BG on the Ground, because of, yeah. Richie McGinnis. Richie McGinnis. Who actually tended. those people who did that, and they're like, those people were leaving at 7 p.m. when it was getting dark. We're like, we're just getting started. And that was the basis for everything that we knew about that situation, and we'll obviously figure in Kyle Rittenhouse's trial, and- like that's how the New York but, Times fails us. That's how these these entities fail us. The New York Times did one good thing when they analyzed the the, the video feeds. That was great. Okay, but but they, but they weren't there. And what they don't tell you is that when we actually had the DC riot crew here talking about it, what we learned from not not just that group, which is the Daily Caller uh, uh, group of journalists, but some other journalists who are on the ground too, is that in Kenosha. The, the the rioters had set a dumpster on fire and were pushing it into a gas station. And the Kyle Rittenhouse and his group were putting the fires out. Mm-hmm. And that's why he got attacked. Yeah. That's why he was chased. That's why some dude fired into the air or whatever. He turned around, returned fire. It was because they were pushing a flaming dumpster into a gas station. We had multiple witnesses on this show tell us that. New York Times doesn't talk about that. No. It was not. It's not in the mainstream narrative. And in the, and in the minds of of the corporate media, and many people have obviously said this. Oh yeah, no, he was like some white supremacist or something yep. like that. And, and now and the Daily Beast is saying, you know, Joe Biden called for unity. They said, you want me to unify with the supporters of white supremacist Kyle Rittenhouse? And it's mm-hmm. like, well, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. This this is what I was saying before about the, the low information side. Yeah. They don't actually know because I don't. There's a, there's a variety of reasons they lie. They're activists or they just genuinely don't pay attention. Covington, you know, the Covington kids incident is a good example. But what happens when you have people like us that are substantially better informed? Eventually, someone's going to be like, we can't just sit back and let dumb people run everything into the ground, crash the plane. Well, but the split that you were talking about before you said that two and you said it was more. I would argue that, you know, basically it's it's two splits that are, are significant population. There's a small population of of elite establishment people who actually run most of the things that happen in the country right. consistently. And then there is a mass of people who are disaffected and who can only really be brought in by major moments that animate them to pay attention to politics, which is something that Trump was. Right. And, and something I would argue that, that uh, coronavirus was in a way that they were manipulated, I think, by media and by big tech uh, to come out and vote for someone who they really didn't know or particularly care for but we're scared into doing uh, for a lot of different reasons. Anyway, setting that aside, that disaffected group is the one that I'm worried about navigating this next period the most because they're not the ones, as we were saying before, who know about the pronoun stuff, who know that that's going to impact their work and the future of their kids, uh, who don't have enough engagement and, frankly, who have seen their kids be completely destroyed by this online fake form of education uh, that is, you know, the teachers unions effectively forced on an entire generation of kids and it's going to have long ranging consequences it, for them. It looks like the economy with 27 trillion in debt now. Um, it looks like early, you know, the Great Depression. How many people got screwed in the Great Depression? A lot of people lost almost 
everything. A lot of people lost they everything. They weren't prepared for it. And if these people are just so checked out, this huge segment of people have their money in mutual funds and they're just letting a guy move their money around for them, waiting for their retirement check. Dude, if the, if the dollar really crashes, it's the biggest debt we've ever seen, and it's just escalating. They just printed three trillion. Now they're talking about doing another another three trillion. Nine hundred nine hundred two billion dollar relief package is going to come out. So this, so that bill, I mean, it is going to be such a mess. It's it's so hilarious to me how the most bipartisan thing that Washington does spend is money. spend money. Yeah, <laughs> they spend your money. They love awful. to spend your money. I was I was on this. Uh, it was a think tank uh, gathering. Uh, and, and I, th- they were going down the panel of like, you know, what do you expect to come out of the next, uh, two years? And I was just like, are you kidding? It's like, they're just going to spend a ton of money. Uh, that's, that's all <laughs> that's going to happen. They're not going to pass anything that fixes anything in any real way. It's so, just going to be money, so money, the money. So fear is if these people aren't prepared and we go through another depression, another, another stock market crash or whatever could happen, um, that they go hungry and go insane. And then, and then don't live start, in a city. Start eating each other, not maybe figuratively. You know, they start to, no, no, no. People, people don't realize. And, and, Freezing Listen, to death in there. 10, 10 plus million. How many people in the New York Metro? 13 million? I don't know what it is now. It's changed so much. Yeah, that's true. Well, so, only about 400,000 to half a million have left, according to a bunch of the uh, different reports. But I, th- I, per, a purpose, I personally, I think it's more than that. In yeah, part you're because, probably right. And I only think that's going to accelerate based on just the initial stuff that we have from uh, Anvil, the company that does the cards that you use to go into the different buildings. It's like way lower than they expected wow. in terms of people going into office buildings. It's well, like one-fifth or one-fourth of what they expected. That is technically a good thing because uh, people don't realize what would happen if the supply chain into New York completely shattered. Oh, yeah. No food and, and, and no waste removal. Right. And you people would be literally eating each other even in, before, in a matter of like week, a week, maybe weeks or more. Even before coronavirus, I would walk out onto the street out of this, you know, uh, beautiful uh, sort of apartment building and there would be this giant pile of trash. Yeah. yeah. And, in Philly. And to me, like, that's one of the reasons. Look, I, I think New York is a great city. Okay. One of the greatest cities in the world, if not the greatest city in the world. I would argue a little bit for London as being that. But um, the experience of like the high class people who are spending a crap ton of money to live in this area then still have to walk outside and smell that garbage <laughs> every day and, and to be like i'd rather live in the country <laughs> where where you know yeah. you walk out and you, you remember don't smell. sandy when it flooded yeah uh, lower manhattan that was, and all the power went out oh yeah and I, and, and people were uh, it, people were skating on the like the knocked over bus station bus stands it was amazing that was one day the power was, was out cool. for weeks wasn't it uh, I'm not sure. I, don't I remember, remember there were there were two guys standing outside of a bodega with like two by fours and there was a line and they were like one person at a time. And I went in and the guy was like, the perishables are basically gone. Like the stuff in the fridge, the milk, sorry, but the canned goods you can still buy. And I was like, wow. And they'd like, like there was no electricity at all. And they had guards out in front of the building protecting it. And I was like cash only and mm-hmm. walk out. That's amazing. You know who got their power turned on first? Who? Upper West Side. <laughs> it's all the super rich people. <laughs> they hired the money. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, well, the city's basically like, this is where our tax revenue is generated. We better make sure they can keep working. I, I, The city will come back. I believe that. But it's going to take a lot longer than I, people think it will. Yeah, yeah. But will it come back in a way that we would consider it to be like coming back? You know, I think, built, the no, Blasio's talking about taking the buildings. No, because I, I don't think it will come back in the way in the way people think it will, it will not be the way it was. Um, and I think a, a large part of that is that people have realized during the course of this period that they can work from places that are a lot nicer where they have 
more flexibility, where they can be at a slight remove from people. And I think that that is just ingrained in a way in American consciousness, uh, in a way that it wasn't before that allows them to move to new places and, and, you know, say, look, I, I can find a community of like-minded people and I don't need to spend as much as I was spending in New York, plus the taxes that they're going to have to raise in order to make yeah. up this huge revenue sp- split. Super Chats. Yes. It's about time we ask the audience what they have in mind. What so, up, audience? So if you are chilling, hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and get your Super Chats in now. We're going to start going through them. You know, we, we, we can't go through everybody as, as you know, as often, I, I say this all the time, but we, we try to read as, many, read as many as possible. So let's read some of these Super Chats. Let's see. Gone, F- Hall, uh, Gone Fall says, the hearing today in AR confirms that legislatures will fight. Also, a legislature in AR at the end, at the end, said they had unofficial hearings because no one would let them. They were also sent threats in AR. What was that? A Arkansas? hearing in Arkansas? But there was a hearing in Arkansas? I didn't hear about I that. I didn't hear about that. Does he mean Arizona, maybe? No, the yesterday? hearing wasn't in Arizona. Yeah, it, was an, it was a Michigan hearing yeah. today. Yeah, but there was an Arizona one the other day. I yeah. mean, that, I, don't, I didn't hear about an Arkansas one. Sorry. All right. We're gonna, I got one here, but we got we to gotta issue a correction. Raven Writing Desk says, Common Sense died the day the woman won in the courts because a coffee cup didn't have a warning label that says it's hot. <laughs> I remember that. that. Is, that's a myth. That's not true. I remember that. So the issue was that uh, a woman was given a, a cup of coffee that was boiling. From McDonald's. And it, she accidentally spilled it. And what had happened was McDonald's had been warned several times that their coffee was too uh, hot. Too, it was too hot. Yeah. McDonald's said, even though people had been injured in the past, the reason they maintained the boiling temperature, which was causing injuries to many people, was because by the time they got to the office, the coffee was cold. So they tell everybody, make the coffee super hot. People had been complaining endlessly, and McDonald's said they didn't care. She initially only asked if, for them to cover the medical bills because what reasonable person expects to be handed a, a cup of boiling liquid? Because you, you're going to drink it, right? She was a passenger. Yeah. They denied her. They wouldn't give her medical expenses of like $10,000. And she suffered horrific burns. It wasn't like she spilled hot coffee. It was like her skin fell off oh, and it was in her lap. And so long story short, she ended up suing and winning a lot more. And then I think she even like donated a bunch of it because it was not oh, about good. having caution hot on it. It was That's like, good. why are you handing boiling cups of water to people? Anyway, I, I love those. Uh, I love those mythical, but everyone knows about them. Right, stories. Yeah. They're so good. Oh, like well, we, we, we got the correction. Gone fall says, I meant to say AZ. Sorry, I always get it mixed. Okay. Oh, okay. Arizona. Three. So, so the, the Arizona thing, I do. One of the things that I think people will learn about coming out of this experience is how uh, the laws that we have on the books only offer for recounts and audits that are automatic at very low thresholds. For instance, in in Arizona, it would have had to be like under a thousand votes uh, for in, in terms of a difference for them to have that triggered. And there's not a request process. So this is one, another one of those things where in the interim between this time and the, and the midterm, a lot of states need to look at how we're going to look at and audit you know, elections that are close, but, you know, maybe have a little bit more of a leeway here for that kind of thing. So someone said to uh, Mick Hatton says, look at Lynn L. Uh, look at Linward Twitter. It's apparently fake news, I guess, referencing what Bill Barr said. And well, there's a tweet from it says time to fire A.G. Bill Barr lies about Dominion. No action on Epstein, Durham, Hunter Biden laptop or Wiener laptop. A stolen election now being ignored. We need patriots helping Donald Trump if we are to save our country and freedom. He went on to say. Perhaps I should have kept my powder dry on Bill Barr until he speaks formally or issues a press release. The AP article is, is likely propaganda. 
I know for a fact it contains a number of false statements about Sidney Powell and her investigation. We'll see. I, I don't agree with that. I think that the AP article is probably correct, and it is in Barr's character to go to the AP as opposed to some of the right. other places that he has beef with. But but consider, he said, to this date, we have not seen yes. evidence that would have changed the outcome. And he speaks outcome. very carefully and right. intentionally, yes. so don't like cut that out. We didn't actually get to talk about Durham. Did you want to do that at all? Uh. We could a little bit. We got super chats to go through. Maybe so, we might we might have kind of uh, you know missed the train on that. Yeah. One. So just just real quickly, I think that the naming of Durham as a special counsel obviously keeps him protected. Uh, yeah. Make sure that he has additional time. I also think it's a statement, frankly, of failure in terms of the selection of him that went so slow and never got us the answers during the time that I think it would have mattered when it came to the election. Eve Welcome says Barr has blood on his hands with Ruby Ridge and Waco. His fealty to the Constitution and our nation is tenuous at best. This is interesting because, you know, I didn't know this, but I know a, a bunch of conservatives when I when I bring up Barr and I'm like, I appreciate, you know, some of the things he said. He's, he's you know, he's been reasonable. And they're like, oh, Barr's horrible. Talking about Waco and, and you know, getting the, the, the a lot of. Yeah, I don't want to get into the horrific things. Was he was involved with getting, burning those people alive. Protecting federal agents who killed people, essentially. Things like that. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know too much about it, so. Another cog in the machine. Oh, man, we got one for Ian. Maybe. Oh, my God, this is awesome. Says, Ian, you can be the next superhero we need. Keep up the energy. Hit the gym. Wear a Tim, Tim foil hat and hang out with Alex Jones and <laughs> give him hell. Okay, I'm going to start doing push-ups in the morning. Yes. Thank you. Yes, do it. <laughs> Eat more protein. Teresa uh, Hoisington says, Barr and Durham are old, busty, uh, old bushy establishment. They'll always act in an old establishment-y way. No surprise. They are team analog turtle. I mean, I don't I don't know Durham enough to sit, be – I don't really have a lot of hope for anything coming out of this. But I do think that Barr, without his presence in this administration, the president never would have had a shot at reelection. I think he yeah, really turned a corner in a significant way and was an indispensable person in what he was able to achieve. Delta 7 says this will not push you guys to more secure voting. The experience we have here in Latin America with what you have now is that once it, this is accepted, it will only get worse. That's how it begun for us here. Mm. I, yeah. I've been talking about blockchain voting like a chicken with my head cut off. I did get people did contact me with some data on it, which I can read now if you guys want to hear anything. You want blockchain hear, voting? Let me see. This well, so, so I'm pulling up. I'll read yeah, some I'll pull more. it up now. And Let's see. Delta 7 says, or I'm sorry, Brubra says, y'all haven't seen anything yet. Secret Service have evidence that will be coming out soon. Inside info. It implicates Biden and others in DNC. And that sounds very exciting. I would love to see it. Until then, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I can't operate on what I haven't seen and no evidence. So Delta 7 says, my impression is that you are trying to play the leftist game, but not understand how they operate. It's not using logical reason. We in Latin America did that mistake. They don't play by the rules and they don't care. Well, there's a there's a as, as long as we're talking about Latin America, you know, one of the dangers that uh, uh, is in uh, Jorge uh, Castaneda's book uh, that talks about uh, mañana forever is that we will become more like Mexico during this period. And I don't mean that as uh, to denigrate Mexico, but basically, historically, you have a situation there where you have the powerful and you have the mob. And the mob appeals to the powerful, asks for, you know, answers or redress or essentially, you know, to fix their problem. And the the powerful use this moment to their advantage. And that just repeats over and over again. And you replace the powerful person with a new person. And part of that has to do with the fact that they have very little civic engagement. They don't have the kind of community organizations that you would traditionally have. And so you end up with a situation where the cartel basically runs the government. And yeah, yeah. And that's the cartels are doing now. 
starting uh, social media networks? No, 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 no. <laughs> no. The the cartels were big in, in drugs, right? Yes. We started legalizing some of those. So you know <laughs> what they're trafficking now? Kids. People. Avocados. Avocados? No joke. Wow. Avocados. It's just it's, it's it's all about the money. It's not about yeah. you know yeah. illegal. It's like can we make money? Well, the avocados are where it's at. My man. favorite, my favorite, a uh, um, brief uh, Biden attempt to uh, reach out to Hispanic voters, uh, which failed so magnificently, <laughs> was when um, uh, the DNC and a bunch of other places were running ads uh, describing Trump negatively as uh, a caudillo, <laughs> a strong man. Oh, okay. Now it. it, it you know, and it includes the idea that he is an untoward strong man, that he is uh, partially, you know, criminal or corrupt. But yeah. he's also oh, a I strong see. man who gets things done. <laughs> and they started, they like ran a bunch of ads about this. And then they stopped it after a piece in the Washington Post, uh, some op-ed from some reporter who was like, why are you guys doing this? <laughs> because lots of people like Caudios. They like the guy, the strong man in the community who can get things done. So we got uh, we got one from uh, MK90 tier one asset says Sour Patch Lids. I'm a Marine stationed in Japan. Would be my date for the Marine Corps Ball 2021. I'm not. I can't assume there was a would you be, but the you isn't there. So I'll just have to leave it to you to message MK90. I appreciate the offer. Thanks for thinking of me. So let me give you some data about blockchain voting. This is something we've talked. Wait, wait. Before we do, uh, we got we have a super chat. Ooh. That what just happened? It just went. I just had it. Super duper. Oh, okay. There it is. Right. June Seth says blockchain voting makes absolutely no sense. I was the host of a very popular Bitcoin podcast. I know quite a bit about the tech. You have to be a complete nutter to pursue blockchain voting. Anyway, you were saying, Ian? okay. So <laughs> let me pursue Good blockchain voting voting for a moment, Tim. Um, <laughs> it is a real super chat. Yeah. Yeah. This, um, this was is. sent to me from uh, someone on Minds named Chris in Iowa, and it's a. Pretty interesting explanation of how we could use blockchain with our voting system and keep it legit. It reads as follows. At printing time on each ballot, uh, blockchain is created and burned into the ballot. This would uniquely identify the individual ballot who printed it and who authorized its printing. At the voting precinct, when a voter arrives to vote, the election worker places the ballot into a burner again, which burns another entry into the blockchain, this time identifying the precinct where it was issued and the worker that issued it. The voter completes the ballot and then takes it to a third station where it's scanned and the voter has a chance to review the conclusions on the scan. If they dispute the ballot, they can take it back to the workers who burned a spoiled, who then burn a spoiled ballot entry into the blockchain. If they accept it, the scan of the ballot, then they insert their driver's license or voting ID, which needs to have its own anonymous private key. A final blockchain entry is burned in using the tabulating machine's identity. The voter's anonymous public Key and the results that the tabulating. Uh, okay, so at the final blockchain entry is burned in using the tabulating machine's identity. Uh, uh, the voter's anonymous public key and the results that the tabulating machine came to. Let me let me stop let, you right let there. Let me finish it because it's almost done. Well, but this is really esoteric. Okay. I don't, it's going to be hard. The to... paper. Well, this is just so it's logged. We can watch it. Listen to it again if you have questions and you want to listen to it again. The paper ballot is then stored as normal. So there's three blockchain uh -huh. things that'll be marked. Um. The ballots are still mostly anonymous, but the entire history of the ballot creation, issuancing, scan uh, is burned into the ballot. So what you're saying is you want in-person paper ballots with voter ID laws. Yeah, with a blockchain. Great. <laughs> Let's do hard paper ballots that must be done in person. And you got to present your ID and not only present it, you got to scan it into a machine that verifies yeah. on the blockchain. I am down. That is blockchain about. voting. That sounds good. Wonderful. Yeah. I agree. Right? You agree? As, as long as as long as long we can actually still... I mean, there's still districts where we haven't finished counts. I know. California, New York. I mean, it's, it's just... It's embarrassing. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, come on. Are we the leaders of the free world or not? How can we we not? No, we're not. We're not. China is, by the way, because they're totalitarian muscling the global economy. I mean, we you saw, I'm sure, the story the other day. Nike, Coca-Cola, and Apple lobbying against this bill that uh, you know bans products produced with slave labor mm. uh, from China. Fascinating. In the New York Times, yeah. by the way, they wrote this. Yeah, I and, want the United States to be the leaders of the world. Sorry to interrupt. You. Well, that's it's, it's good. We could be. It's, it, we got our heads up. Our <laughs> you know, there's just, there's, I think our politicians, I think we have no leaders. You can probably count on one hand the politicians we have in Washington who are actual leaders. I think I think you're right about that, but I also think there's a, an additional problem, which is that we have incentivized politicians to become basically hype men for their side of the party. They're influencers. They're influencers. That's it. Yeah. AOC exactly. is the is the perfect example of this. Exactly, and it's not about actually getting anything done. And I think, unfortunately, we have reached a point in politics where anybody who actually is a leader. In their community, a significant person in their in their neighborhood, the kind of people who used to be able to rise up through the ranks, we've totally disincentivized it by destroying everybody's family, you know, tearing them up, engaged in the worst kind of uh, identity and 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 personal destruction that I think we've seen in our history. And you know, look, you can you can compare it back to uh, you know the founders being nasty to each other in newspapers, but it really doesn't compare to the level of uh, just animus and destruction that can be directed at people today. It's it's I wouldn't say uh I would I would absolutely say what we are experiencing with this is not Trump's fault. Trump is a symptom of whatever this is, not the cause of it. But I do believe the future of politics is going to be you, you can actually just see it by going to Ocasio-Cortez's Twitter account. It's clapbacks. It's 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 meaningless, mindless 280 character clapbacks with it's the, Nancy you know, the, Pelosi the, tearing up the speech. Exactly. Yes. So, but that's, that's kind of an analog old school. What, what generation? She's, 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 she's 80 now, isn't she? Yeah. So, so what generation is she? Silent generation? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But it's going to be like this. You know, AOC, did you see that thing she did with the painting where it was like the yeah. Green New Deal future? And she was like, and the kids were all excited about being in Congress. That's not what it's going to be like. It's going to be like exactly what you're doing with your silly tweets where you're like, a Republican came in today and I was like, bro, I beat you on Among Us. Mike you Josh. ain't got nothing. You are the imposter. Dude, you didn't beat me. You were talking about. I had 400,000 concurrence and people are going to vote for it. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, I'm voting for AOC because she won. It's going to whittle down. You know, it's funny is that it's almost like idiocracy. But what idiocracy didn't get right was social media. So Mike Judge was so has been ahead of the curve at every single point in his career. You know that in in Idiocracy, Camacho was a you know wrestler, right? Yes. Trump's in the WWE Hall Mm -hmm. of Fame. Yeah. We we, we're there, baby, and it's going to be just literal social media live streams and clapbacks. No policy. Nothing will make sense. They'll pass bills that are meaningless. It's the Green New Deal to help the environment, but it's loaded with critical race theory socialist policy. It doesn't have to be like that, though. That's doesn't have to be, but that's where people listen, man. Look, look at how. People have formed echo chambers on social media, how it, it's remarkable how people don't know things in, in you know, and, and I got to say it's predominantly a, 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 a failure of the left because the right knows the left is thinking the left doesn't know what the right is thinking. Yeah. But man, it's like, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny thing happened. Sticks X and Hammer. He's, he's, a, he's a great YouTuber. Are you familiar with Sticks? Yeah. I love Libertarian. that guy, man. He, he, he uh, made a meme. It was really funny. And it was like a, a, he makes these paintbrush memes that are funny. And it's a guy who's got a sickle and hammer or something. He says, I'm just a, 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 dem- a, so- a social democrat, not a socialist. But hey, you check out this really great books, you know, Karl Marx and stuff. And communism is great and all that. So another YouTuber tweeted, so true, and a bunch of exclamation points. And I responded with, so you admit it. 
clearly a joke to any reasonable thinking human being. I don't really think her snarky response to sticks was literally, literally her being like, I'm a communist. Yeah. But all of the responses from these lefty, like, you know, lefty socialist types were like, I can't believe it. You really think she's confessing? Oh, my God. These people have, like, limited ability to think critically. There's no tone in text. It's not just that, but it's like there were a few people who were like, guys, please stop. He's clearly not serious. That's like it's a meme. It's everyone's joking, having a good time. No, the point is when you make a joke that's that's that dry, too much text. But but listen, listen, it's not it's not so much to say that they were all dumb, but that they wanted the snapback fight. They wanted the political issue to be like, oh, yeah, well, we're going to come at you because my side versus your side. When I was literally just making a snarky, dry joke. I rail when I make YouTube videos in like 2007. I was like, dude, text it might, is going to be our downfall as humanity. If we keep texting each other, people leaving these text comments, they'd be like, dude, speak to me with your voice. Yeah. Use, your, <laughs> use your intonation use your so words. I can understand you. And that's where we're at. We're at people with these text storms and you're creating your own tone on what they wrote and mm-hmm. so there's all yeah. this miscommunication mm-hmm. yeah so so I, I i said this a while ago like i might you got to learn from michael malice man you, you know you know you know oh, he's, yeah. a, he's a guy's a genius he just kind of rolls with it and he, he he tweets things and when people clearly don't get it he just goes with it it's it's hilarious so i just tweet stuff and i just don't care anymore mm-hmm. you know these people look it's better when you don't care I have to actually put disclaimer. This is a joke on some tweets. And there was one I tweeted about the election. It was on, on, on November 3rd at like midnight. We got these two, you know, districts of like 10 and 20 people. And they, they went for like together. They were for Trump by like six votes, but that was, you know, the majority. And so I tweeted, that's it. I'm projecting Trump to be the winner with 0.00000013 reporting. We can now, you know, calmly project. Trump is the winner. Congratulations. Okay, okay, Antifa, you can start rioting now. And people were like, whoa, dude, dude, like, you're, you're going to get banned. And I'm like, come on. Like, that was such a ridiculous tweet. You actually think I didn't get banned or anything for it. Hope, I, I guess the people at Twitter, the moderators were like, okay, that one's, zeros. that one's abs- like ridiculous enough for us to recognize he's not seriously. But the rule was that if you called the election before it was done. So like the moment we got any results, I was like, boom, I'm going to tweet this out. It was funny. The the future, I think, of of Congress and political leadership does look very bleak at the moment. Um, but one thing that I will say that I'm hopeful about is we're reaching the point where the the octogenarians and the septuagenarians have to leave the room. Septuagenarians. And, <laughs> and that to me is is a good sign just because I think, you know, the degree to which people who are, let's just say, under 50 have more of a role at this point. Some of those younger Gen you know, Xers, some of the older millennials start uh, being in the committee rooms and not no, being able to see through like big text BS without having to have it explained to them by a much younger yeah. aide. I think that does uh, have the potential to make a difference. But we got to get beyond this moment where they're just meme makers and hype men. Do you support term gotta, limits? We got to do more super chats. Yeah. Congressional term limits. So I, I am opposed to them because I think people should kind of have to be able to, uh, 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 you know, move people out. But I do think that they, that we actually should consider age limits maybe for some of, uh, for yeah. some of our offices I and feel also the opposite. And I, and I think that the problem too with, with term limits is I, I would like to see them more as a, uh, uh, in, enacted within the body. 
So one of the differences between one of the reasons that the Democratic Party uh, representation in the House is so much older than the Republicans is that Republicans several years ago uh, adopted term limits for how long you could be the chairman of a committee. Interesting. So what that did was if you are about to age out and you're no longer going to be the chairman of a committee, why were you why would you stick around and like be just one of the other members? And so lots of the older members retired. The mm-hmm. difference with the Democrats is they never got rid of that. And so you have all these older people who yep. are the chairman of committees, you know, people like Jerry Nadler yep. still hanging around, you know, when they really ought to have been replaced by. And it's why, frankly, they had a bunch of people who are like in their 40s and 50s leave to go run for Senate or run for governor over the past several years. Right on. We got the. Uh... 78.26 says, hi, Tim, could your band please do a cover version of the song Lydia Purple by The Collectors or Lydia by Marty Ballin? I bet that it would be awesome. All right. Great suggestions. Yeah. I like those. Jeffrey Paris says, this new trans issue is like the concept of ancient Roman adoption. Julius Caesar adopted Octavian. The law stated that once adopted, you were a new entity entirely. Anyone who referenced your old identity could be arrested and oh, executed. Wow. History repeats itself. Crazy. Let's see what we got here. William Shellman says, hey, Tim, I live in Germantown, Wisconsin, and there is a protest outside the house of the Wauwatosa police chief. There are no reporters at all. It's some sort of BLM thing over a shooting from last year. Wow. Wow. Really interesting. Andrew Lance says, dude, thanks for cutting back on content. Between you, Crowder Shapiro, and Michael Knowles, I had no time to get anything done. P.S. <laughs> get Michael Knowles on to explain conservatism. He has a really good take on it. Well, for those that are curious, you can arguably say in some capacity I'm cutting down, but I'm actually doing this to try and increase the amount I can produce. So for those that aren't familiar uh, today, I announced that I'm going to be doing less segments on my individual channel, focusing more on segments on IRL. So actually, what we're basically going to do is we're going to have news stories that I would normally cover. We'll just do on this show with a guest. So it'll be interesting to get their take on a lot of these issues, which we kind of did here with Ben. But uh, the reason why I'm doing that is not because I'm going to be doing less. It's because we're going to be launching a new channel. The way I described it is at a certain point, doing segments where you talk about what's going on and complain about it and say it's a problem doesn't do enough to solve any of these issues. And what needs to happen is there needs to be cultural development. If all we are going to get is, you know, AOC, she did Among Us, that stream got 400,000 concurrent viewers. So all the people who watch her are constantly being inundated with leftists. They're watching these, you know, bread tube types and these socialists and these younger people are, are, are hearing that and they're developing with these ideas. If you want your political ideas to persist, then you need to be engaging young people in things that they find entertaining as well. So sitting around complaining will get you nowhere in the future. So the way I described it is there's a there's a skateboarder who's really good who's got the gad. His, his, he's got a mini ramp. It's a half pipe. And there's the Gadsden flag painted in the middle of it. When kids watch that, they see the Gadsden flag. They might not know what it is. But they might hear their teacher say that's a white supremacist symbol and they're going to go, what? No way. Dude's got that on his ramp. You're crazy. Mm. And it's going to give them some pushback. It's going to show them there's other things and these people aren't telling them the truth. Long story short, we're going to do a vlog. We're going to do fun things. We're going to, you know, do science experiments, skateboarding. We're going to do like the world's longest grind rail, mega jumps and just have a good time and have fun. But it's also going to incorporate to a certain degree some of the guests we bring on the show to give a more like cultural, less political and just doing fun things that inspire ball tournaments. Yes. Passively, you know, board games. Like we just played, we just played as a board game called conspiracy theory. It was awesome. And it's a trivia game. And I dominated. No, totally. Well, uh, Andreas won the first one and then I won the second one, but it was, it was, was it? When did you guys play? Was it last night? Two nights ago. Three nights ago. So one of the questions was, um, 
it was it, what what uh, what monster is associated with Silver Bridge in West Virginia? Yeah. And I was like, I know it, Mothman, because they just watched the movie. Well, wow. I've only, I've known about Mothman. He knows conspiracies. I know weird, and I was like, I was like, this is amazing. I know so much BS. That'd be a like, fun game to stream. But it would be really fun to get like Alex Jones and yeah. like ask <laughs> him <laughs> questions. one of the questions. He was in the game. He's gonna answer all of them. <laughs> but that, but wouldn't it be really funny to have a video that's not political, not talking about any of this dumb stuff? It's literally like Alex Jones. Can you answer these conspiracy theory trivia yes. questions? It's like that's hot ones. Just silly fun. That is that is a great combination of things there. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, honestly, like. There, there could be a stump him kind of contest there, basically. He's going to answer That's, all of them. I know it. Yeah. We'll For shoot, real, no joke. We'll shoot a bunch and then just release them once a no, week, you know, no. one a week, just to keep everybody I love engaged. conspiracy But, but that's just like an idea. I'm not yeah, saying it's too. literally something we'll, I, I would like to do. It. We'll see what happens. We can drink kombucha at the bar. I'm saying bar. There's, there's, there's funny ideas like that we could do. We have a lot of people who come in and out of this place, and it's, it would be fun to do silly things. The, the, look, it's it's simple. You, you gotta you gotta make the culture because politics is downstream. Yes. You gotta inspire young people to get active. That's something about you were talking about. Less reliant on the leader politicians and more reliant on like what did you create? What did you do today? Yeah. What did you have you done? I don't think that uh, politicians have the narrative power they once did. And I think that there are a lot of other entities that have a lot more narrative power and, and different avenues to it. And as we're seeing that change, it requires a lot more engagement from. The creative folks who may have wanted to stay away from politicizing anything they're doing, but recognizing how much it's taking over everything. I think we have to step forward and, and see those folks really get an opportunity to tell the stories they want to, they want to tell that are fascinating and amazing often and, and uh, inform us in so many different ways. There's so many people who came to their views about politics from reading sci science fiction, you know, and, and reading, you know, Heinlein and things like that and taking away different aspects of it. I think right now we have to recognize that that's way more important than, you know, <laughs> who's in charge of, of different entities when it comes to federal government. We're going to be doing events. We're going to be doing frequent events. I don't know how with COVID lockdowns getting more and more strict. We'll see how things play out. But uh, we're, we're going to do events. We've got a uh, this cool clubhouse thing we're building. It's a skate park. We're going to we're, we're doing construction in the back and we're going to start a brand and we're going to sell merch. And very much so the idea is to be fun, family friendly but very individualist, healthy, masculine, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to say conservative. I just want to be like, you know, self-reliant, kind of promote these ideas. Healthy, feminine. It, it, absolutely. Absolutely healthy, feminine. All the, all the, all these things that are kind of getting washed away because we have this very unhealthy mainstream celebrity apparatus where they only go in one direction. There's got to be someone who's going to be like, nah, look, I'll put it this way. I know a bunch of pro skateboarders. Skateboarders are supposed to be the anti-authoritarian, lefty, you know, renegades. Many of them are pro-Trump. Mm -hmm. they're, they're hitting me up saying, like, I want to send you a bunch of free stuff. I love your content, man. I hope Trump wins. And I'm like, why aren't you telling people that in your skate videos? Why aren't you, like, when you, when you do, not skate videos, but like their vlogs, when they're posting things on Instagram, why aren't you saying, like, here's what I think? Well, I don't want to lose my sponsors. Or, okay, well, I don't care because mm -hmm. this is who I am. I talk about this stuff all the time. Great. I'll make the skate videos. I'll put the Gadsden flag in my skate park, and I'll make a video where you can see it every single time someone does a trick. Is that the don't tread on me flag? Yes. That's a snake? And it's literally it's like, like something? The, it's, if you want to talk about opposing fascism and opposing authoritarianism and tyranny, that's what that flag like, Don't tread on me. And exactly. And that's circling back to what you were saying before about the cultural differences when it comes to guns. The number one thing that people need to understand is that, you know, the Second Amendment is not about hunting. It is about right. the relationship between the citizen and the state. But it, it, it's, 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 I think the founding fathers were a little bit even more broad than that. Yeah. It wasn't just the citizens and the state. It was the citizens and 
uh, with the state and the Native yes. Americans. So, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There were instances where. When, like, in the revolutionary, were you ever seen the movie The Patriot with Mel Gibson? Of course. Amazing movie. Really <laughs> is. But, but militia was forming, the, the, the famous thing was in the end, they're like, militia was forming the center. Yeah. They, we, in the revolutionary war, we needed as that movie's much. That so over the top. It's amazing. <laughs> That's so good. Most Mel Gibson movies are, if you think about it. Well, listen, listen. The, the founding fathers He's were like, great. in the revolutionary war, we needed as many armed and capable individuals to fight for us, which means you need an armed citizenry to defend the state. Yeah. Not just from itself. Because they were fighting, you know, people don't realize, you know, they say, uh, you know, Paul Revere's ride, the British are coming. He didn't say the British are coming. They were British. Yeah. He said the regulars are coming. Why would you be like, the Americans are coming? You'd be like, the cops are coming, you know, run or whatever. The, uh, have you seen Apocalypto? Yeah, we just, oh, yeah, watched, we just watched it a couple okay, months okay, ago. Good. So, so I, I think that, I just think that film is amazing. Um, I thought it was great. And, was and, uh, but it also, it goes to that idea. The little village that is this kind of bucolic, you know, yep. uh, sleepy community that suddenly is crushed by, you know, the invader and is totally the unprepared for it. Exactly. And there's so many elements of that that I think you can take into the, you know, about the relationships that, uh, that citizens ought to have in, in solving their own problems and being prepared to defend the town, to defend what they value most. Um, and that, that's essential you ever, as Americans. You ever hear of what's it called? The Battle of Athens, I think. Is this when Bunch Sparta sieged? No, 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 no. This is uh, the military veterans. Yes, this is the military veterans. Oh, I have heard of this. This they is a, that, come, fascinating. Come yeah. back from World War II to find a political machine controlling everything. And so they took their guns and they went and they were like, nah. And then they took over and made sure the votes were cast. The votes that were the, uh, the votes were all counted properly and ensured the election was done properly. Yep. There was a corrupt political machine controlling the town and they were like, nope. Oh. Crazy. It's yeah. crazy, crazy place we live in this America where people are like, nah. Well, you know what? <laughs> so we have a little thing uh, just to do a little self-promotion. Uh, the, the 1620 Project at, at the Federalist has been running essays from- 1620 Project. Uh, yes. And it is not designed to refound America. The founding of America is 1776. But in 1620, obviously 400 years ago, uh, the arrival of the pilgrims uh, in, in America, a uh, 400-year anniversary of both the Mayflower Compact uh, last month and in uh, uh, three weeks. Uh, from uh, today, it'll be the 400th anniversary of Plymouth Rock. And, oh, wow. and what is so fascinating is, you know, this is a group of people who embody in so many ways the things that were essential to the crazy country that is America. They're, they're religious zealots who, you know, have to run away from England. <laughs> uh, you know, they're outcasts of sort of kind yeah. of their own community. They, they gather together and they raise money and they have all these, you know, uh, tragedies. They have no idea what they're getting into. They get on this boat. They come across the ocean, uh, you know, within, uh, within through the winter, they lose like half of the people. They're totally unprepared for this. And yet they end up making a firm enough, uh, ground on, on that area that we still have people today. There, there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, even millions, uh, some claim who, are descended directly from the people who came over on that boat. And that's, you have to have this combination of like courage and commitment and crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to go like, on a boat for three months where people like are, people, people are going to die on the way there. The Martian, these are the Martian colonists, man. It's yeah. going to be another generation totally. of, you know, you know, what's really crazy. A lot of people really got to learn American history. We went through, I think, several presidents before we actually got a constitution. Yeah. So we had the Articles of Confederation for a long time, and the states didn't cooperate, didn't pay taxes. There was constant bickering and fighting. And when they passed the Constitution, I was reading about this just recently, they just they decided we're going to do a two-thirds ratification, 
if the states that, you know, these other states that don't approve of this, they don't have to abide by it. But once they do, we got it. We're done. And that was basically how they were able to get a constitution when the states didn't and, and work with each other. The Federalist Papers were making the case for that constitution, yeah. you know, uh, and designed to be able to convince people that this was the right. Thing but it was the anti-federalists that got the Bill of Rights. Yes. They were and like, they, we don't trust you. Hamilton trust Hamilton power. didn't want a Bill of Rights. He, he thought it was unnecessary. He also <laughs> thought it would restrict uh, government too much. And the arguments of the anti-federalists, including Patrick Henry, uh, were convincing enough to the people that, no, we need to put some things in place that actually restrain government yep. from invading all these areas of life. And boy, were they right. Yeah, man. Not a day goes by. The Constitution is is shielding us. And people don't realize we, we have to seriously. It, you know, when people swear an oath to the Constitution, it's just a piece of paper, they say. But it is it is a it is a piece of paper that is a gigantic golden mithril shield protecting us from so much evil and tyranny. These people who want to lock down everything in the defiance of science while they go out and party, they're they're getting away with it in many circumstances. And it's only after the fact, after the courts, that the, the Supreme Court says, well, the Constitution. But you look at countries in Europe, you, you look at what's going on with the EU, and there's riots because they're like, stay in your home, you can't leave no matter what. The cops, they swear an oath to nothing. The cops are like, I don't care. The state says you get arrested. You see that video of the woman in Spain getting tased because she brought her, her oh. grandma or whatever to the hospital for mental illness? They tase her because they have no oath to anything but, but themselves and their job. Here, you have a constitution to contend with and people who believe in it. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not a perfect shield because they can go around it and try and, and they, and they can violate the constitution. But like you were saying earlier, a lot of these rule changes to the elections, a lot of things they've done will be found to be unconstitutional. Absolutely. I love that piece of paper, huh? Let's read some more super chats because we're going, we're going a little late on this one. Jacob Bailey says, only 19 bellwether counties have been 100% accurate in choosing the president since 1980. Donald Trump, Donald Trump won 18 of those 19 counties in 2020, plus the three bellwether states, which is Iowa, Ohio, and Florida. Trump won those as well. A lot of people, hard to believe Biden won with all of these things. There was a really good comment I saw. I can't remember who was it from. They said, if there was no widespread voter fraud shifting the results and costing Trump the election, then why is it that all of the discrepancies hurt Donald Trump and helped Joe Biden? Well, I don't think that we can necessarily say that that's true just because w the We're Biden campaign is not looking for discrepancies right. that help Donald Trump. Um, but I will say that there are a lot of weird ahistorical elements to this. The recounts um, in Georgia? The, we've never seen a recount margin that large I, for I Trump. Mean, it was, and it was just yeah. – I mean, again, the people who just say you can't question this, those are the ones who just disgust me and because it's just so ridiculous. The stuff that Matt Brainerd's been uncovering is like – Well, I don't know. Yeah, again, I don't dude. know I don't know if any of that is, is provable, but what I will say is questioning the, the idea that it's destroying democracy – to say, hey, some weird stuff happened here. We should probably look into it. We should all is look absurd. into it. That's protecting democracy. That's the opposite of what you're talking about here. That's making sure that you know every vote counts. Every vote is equal. My vote for you know uh, Zaphod Beeblebrox is just as valuable as a vote for Joe Biden. Yeah, and it it deserves to be counted. Like it's like when you're playing a game with your friend and something happens and you're like. Oh, I lost. And then you give them the win. If they didn't see that you lost, but you still tell them I lost, yeah. you won. Maybe yeah. it's just because it's not a game to these people. We got it. We got a good one. Archimedes says, Tim, if you think the battle of Athens is good, why are you weary of Trump possibly doing the same, ensuring the votes are done correctly? There's a big difference between Trump declaring martial law 
and then holding a new election. That's what people are calling for. The, 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 what, what they're saying here is we need a new clean federal election. That's going to be civil war. Yeah. Like they, they say to a, this guy put out this ad saying to avoid civil war, declare martial law. I'm like, no, that would that would be literally Trump igniting civil war. Yeah. The Battle of Athens was a small town. The problem is and the difficulty is scale. But I will say I want Trump to fight tooth and nail to the bitter end. And I want a clean investigation. I want everything to be gone. You know, they want I want to go through with a fine tooth uh, comb and figure out if there was uh, we know that there is evidence of fraud. We know, according to Matt Brainerd, there is evidence of widespread fraud. I'm not saying definitive proof. I'm saying evidence. evidence. Signs or indications that a thing occurred. That needs to be investigated. It absolutely has to be. Now, I don't know what Trump can do. And I don't, I don't think martial law and declaring a new election is the right thing to do because that would just be civil war. But this, I was going to bring this up before. Let me ask you. If it's true that some group cheated and all of these widespread anomalies actually are widespread voter fraud to steal the election from the American people. Should then Trump stop it by declaring martial law? I just think that we're, we would be in an unprecedented situation if that was something that was provable. But how would you, right? How would you know? I, that's I, don't, the issue, think, right? I don't think that, see, that's the problem. I don't know that we have an entity set up to find that out. And I think that we've discovered an aspect of our voting process well, so, that leaves us vulnerable to that sort of situation. So hypothetically, evidence dropped. Or, or you saw evidence, you knew for a fact that widespread voter fraud, a centralized plan, a group behind it was going to steal the election. And most people don't care because they support Biden. What do you think Trump should declare well, martial I, law? I, I don't think that martial law is the way to go there only because I think it will set fire to tinder and turn into a civil war. But I do think, but I do think there would be other guardrails that would come into uh, place there that would have to adjudicate this. If if something like that came out, the Supreme Court would you would have a route to uh, basically going before them. And I think additionally, you would have a situation where in a very closely divided Congress, there are a number of things that they could do, including in the Senate. I think calling for a federal based look at recounts within yeah. the system, which is actually something that has happened before, albeit in a Senate context, like Senate looking at Senate races where they actually right. sent the ballots to Washington to have a full recount there because they didn't trust the state officials. They've already destroyed envelopes, though. And yeah. so the so the issue the problem is, is the, the problem is that the ballots are in there already. You, you the, yep. pr- the garbage place in, to stop this, out. the place to stop this was before they got in there, because once they get in there, you, it's so hard to remove. But them. when they tried to sue, they said no injury. In fact, yeah. nothing's happened yet. You can't sue. There's nothing. No harm has done been done to anybody. You wait till. A- so here's what happens with uh, <laughs> wait, Sean wait Parnell. Till we do the harm. <laughs> yeah, Hold yeah. on. No. Yes. That's how it works. <laughs> yes. So so with uh, Sean Parnell and, and the, you know, he has this lawsuit about the constitutionality of mail in voting. If he many people are saying if they would have voted beforehand. Then the courts would have said there's no injury in fact. I mean, there's no no harm has come to you. You have no grounds to bring this lawsuit. You have no standing because they waited till afterwards. They say you're too late. You yeah. should have you should have sued sooner. Now, in Sean's Sean Parnell's instance, he said, I didn't know. We all assumed that this law was constitutional. And then it was only now that we're just finding out they they were going to actually try to amend the Constitution and stopped. Meaning yeah. they in my here, this is my opinion. I think they knew it was unconstitutional. And they said, stop trying to amend the Constitution, just ram it through. Mm -hmm. So here we are now with people suing, saying, hey, wait a minute. And the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania shot it down, not on its merits, because it was too late, meaning it's very likely unconstitutional. This that means what do you think? What do you think is going to happen if Joe Biden and he wins partly because of Pennsylvania in a month from now? They say, oh, yeah, by the way, Pennsylvania's election. Yeah, Joe. um, Yeah, it was all unconstitutional, should not have been allowed at all. 
Do you think Trump supporters are going to be like, <laughs> rats, we'll try better next time? Or do you think they're going to be like, yeah, screaming and angry well, and demanding well, you know, something well, be done? Judges are politicians, too. I will yep. remind you. They so. absolutely are. <laughs> Trump still has Twitter. That's the thing. Trump's got four years that he can just command people to go do something. Yeah. And they will. Sauron says, once the electors choose Biden, it won't matter if the votes of the people were fraudulent. Unfortunately, legally, he would be president once the electors cast their ballots. Incorrect, good sir. That is not true. He's not president until he's inaugurated. He would be president-elect after January 6th, when Congress holds a joint session to count the electoral votes, at which point anybody can raise objections. By the way, have you... Did you go back uh, ever and look at the objections that were raised after last time around when the Democrats tried to pull that? Oh, they were nuts. They were absolutely Mm -hmm. insane. And Biden was actually in your he's in the chair, just like Pence will be this time um, to to adjudicate these. And he had, you know, a script that he was reading off. This time around, I wonder if we're going to see the flip side of that with Republicans. Oh, definitely. Doing the same and then thing. We, we we now have the Durham probe special counsel, and I think we're going to see the Democrats go through. Oh, totally. And, <laughs> and, and they're gonna and they're gonna try, but they will try to defund him, cut him off. I wonder, frankly, if if uh, they will try to convince uh, Biden to appoint someone uh, to the to the AG role who will actually fire him. Perhaps, uh, perhaps, because that could be interesting itself. Well, my friends, we went uh, went a little bit long, just trying to get as many super chats as possible. But thank you all so much for hanging out. Make sure you smash that like button. Subscribe. We're live Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. And uh, we're going to be booking more and more guests. We're going to be doing more on the show. And we're also got uh, going to be building out this vlog channel. We got construction happening. So stick around. More content to come. It's a little bit different. We're going to be expanding the business. Going to be hiring more people. Going to be doing journalism. Going to be doing all this good stuff. Going to be blowing stuff up and electrocuting things. And you know, I don't even know. We're just going to do some crazy stuff and have a good time. But uh, stick around for that. We'll be back tomorrow live at 8 p.m. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Parlor at TimCast. Check out my other YouTube channels, youtube.com slash TimCast and youtube.com slash TimCastNews. Ben, do you want to give a shout out to anything? Uh, just you can follow me on Twitter at B Dominich. And uh, uh, I hope you'll check out the 1620 Project. We have a really cool pilgrim shirt uh, cool. that you should check out in our store. <laughs> right on. That's on your website? Thefederalist.com, yes. All right. Uh, yeah, thanks, Tim. Thanks, Ben. Lydia, I'm Ian Crossland. You guys can follow me to Ian Crossland. Smash the and like button with your And elbow. share. Yeah, share the video, man. I think sharing's really, uh, sharing is really a powerful caring. tool. Sharing is caring. And you, you can also got a friend out there that wants that's going to be really happy. Right on. Let me find out. You can also follow Thanks for Lydia. Talk for a while, too. You can. Sarah Patchlitz, L-Y-D-S. I do think that sharing is caring, and I do like that our show starts a lot of conversations. I think that's really yeah. important. And maybe we'll get banned. Yeah, maybe. Eventually. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. Ben, thanks for hanging out. And we will see you guys tomorrow at 8 p.m. live on this channel. All right. Bye, guys.